0: fields my name is joshua michael i got my best (laughs) friend in the whole world here mr colin ward out of the uh tulsa i got one of my new best friends mr tony morales here in the colorado springs how y'all doing gentlemen nice to see
1: you nice to be seen
0: good Good. guys good day we got some good comics to talk about um oh yeah you got your Cavassier. i got mine too Mm. Drinking some Grant's Scotch. I'm I'm drinking uh, again uh some. uh how do, how do you
2: say Canadian Mist in French? Canadian Mist, <laughs> lay Canadian Mist. You say you're having Canadian. <laughs> mm. You're drinking some Canadian Mist. That's how they say it in the French too. <laughs> Pure gasoline. I'm, not, I'm that prick that's like, why get a glass dirty? Uh, <laughs> Tony, you're hey, like, not wrong. Tony, you do
1: later.
0: You behaving yourself tonight, yeah. or you you got some Cava yourself?
1: I didn't even think
2: about it, man. I just got some water right now, freaking just trying to hide. Dude, for real, I got water and I got tea, and I got, and I've got a got a sipping beverage here. So a sipping beverage, drink it for three. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'll lead us off, Tony. If you yeah. want to go grab a drink real quick, <laughs>
2: yeah, all right. Give me a minute. Cool. Hopefully, nobody's drinking on the road, going commuting, listening to this or. Uh, Drinking at work while they should <laughs> listening to this while they should be paying attention. Uh, uh hopefully know. you're not drinking on the toilet while you're listening to this. Uh I've I don't know a, what.
0: I've had a few drinks in the John before. I've had a few drinks in the shower too.
2: I've definitely done it. I mean like usually when I was super beat down and <laughs> uh you know, stuff to do with work, you know, you're just like, Okay, I could I gotta I gotta get a drink in me, but I gotta get cleaned up right now. Having to having to Hate when someone
0: ruins my regular morning shower scotch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: shower scotch. Ah, Tony's Man. getting.
0: Tony's probably getting some rum. We gotta make it seem like we're talking shit on him. We wouldn't talk shit on him. Sure. He's, he's a fucking grandmaster when he comes down to breaking shit down, guys. You, you wouldn't know it just from talking to him, because he's not, like, self-aggrandizing. Uh, he... Uh, this guy's got some major, major things under his belt. People he's trained with and held seminars with, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. Uh, he list goes on, but the guy carries himself with like a, a great
2: gravitas, and we're happy to have him on the show. Yeah, I'm, I've really enjoyed uh, visiting with him. In fact, before you got on tonight, he and I were talking about... Um, uh, I, I just randomly caught, like, a Facebook post from Finn Balor, WWE's Finn Balor, and he would posted a, a match that he performed with uh, AJ Styles, I think, at a TLC match in 2018 or 2017. I'm trying to figure it out because I didn't get to watch it live. And uh, so he and I were talking about it, and he was just like, oh, yeah, I watched that match. It was like this, and like, that it was a big deal. It was because Bray Wyatt couldn't make it. Somebody got mumps all this stuff like he just totally knew everything about it very well recalled and uh you know we were all just discussing things before the show and i was just like man i really appreciate his articulate uh vocabulary and uh way of way of stating things yeah plus he's plus he knows his comic (laughs) shit man like he's got that down for sure yeah for real absolutely for real man how was your week Honestly, so far, I've been having a really, really great week. I spent uh, a bunch of time with my girlfriend, my new girlfriend, and then I, uh, uh, I did a lot of union stuff today. Uh, I had led, a, led a, a very small seminar of some prospective-interested uh, folks, uh, and that has to do with my film union, IATSE, uh, uh, the International Alliance of uh, Theater and Stage Employees um does any of and, your uh,
0: does any of your union work involve disappearing bodies of guys that refuse to like you know play ball
2: <laughs> no no uh i wouldn't put it uh past me but i wouldn't uh but i would definitely i don't think that's something that has anything to do with my uh my organization of course not of course yeah it's a not. safe way to put that <laughs> i just hear union and i
0: hear mob guys oh man come now
2: <laughs> come now it's like,
0: I'm going to talk to my union guy about this, aka Big Tony down at the fucking like, speakeasy. <laughs> he's, going to, he's going to make There's sure. There's only
2: that. one Tony around here, and he's on the phone <laughs> with us right now.
1: Tony, you yeah, get He's not, not that big of a guy. Look, <laughs> you're he's like. i scale of like 2.5 right now. 2.5 live? Well, that's why I wanted ah, you to get a
0: drink, man. How I we mean, you can feel ten, six feet tall, just like me and Colin? I'm 6.3. What are you? I'm rocking 5'7". Nice.
2: That's not bad. That's nice. That's nice. Colin, you're uh, uh, 6'4", right? I'm 6'3". My dad was 6'4", and uh, I'm always always a little bit prideful of this. When uh, several years ago, uh, we all arrived for a photo at my Taekwondo studio of all the black belts through all the years, and um, my brother was late because he was hung over and so i'm the tallest guy in the picture and uh i still think my brother is like a half inch shorter than me or whatever but i think it's just because he slouches and um uh, you know he's got all that military time so i think his body's just like nah i ain't gonna stand up straight but uh yeah so i looked i looked really good in that picture
0: <clears throat> tony we were discussing our week how was your week brother did you push um, the limits
1: I wish, man. Things have been uh, things have been all right. You know, back at work, freaking got to step back in the ring, do some little little bit of stretching and some rolls and whatnot, mm-hmm. running some ropes last yeah. week. It was and that nice was, to see. You there. That was nice and nice to be seen. You know, see how see how things work out. You know, two months post or ten weeks and a day post surgery. So still trying to figure out what I can and can't get away with.
2: My God, what did you can you talk about it? What did you oh, man? Yeah, man. I got,
1: you... I got I got I got my heart replaced.
2: The whole thing just replaced.
1: No, not the whole thing. Um, you know how people have four heart valves. Mhm. I was only born with three. Oh, okay. So I've got a metal valve in my heart that I got put in when I was 6 months old in Germany and they ended up having to replace it um September 23rd of this year.
2: Good Lord, you've had a, you've had a you have had something. That, you've had that since you were a baby.
1: Mm-hmm. Since I was six months old. I'm they, 39 now. They said
2: oh it was only, God, dude. They said it was only going to last mm. a couple of years, but
0: thanks to that fine German engineering, it lasted quite a long time. Yeah,
2: I was yeah, supposed I, to get a change at 15. I went. My brain immediately went to make fun of Germany, and then I was like, you know, hey, no, no, there's no, he can't do it, not here. I'm no, not making. Not the, fun. Not
0: <laughs> I would never make fun of Germany. I was not making fun of Germany, for the record. In no way, shape, or form was I making fun of Germany.
2: Oh come now! I keep,
1: their engineering kept me alive this long, so I'm I'm yeah. I'm down. I got dual citizenship and everything, so. Mm. Lucky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been there since I was like three, though. So, mm. really need to make. Back it's uh, time
2: to take advantage.
1: They take yeah, advantage. Once uh, once the plague's over with, maybe i will make a make a point to go check it out and thank some people. Yeah, maybe yeah. they a take the,
0: They take their wrestling real serious, there, man. They still do it gypsy corny style, man.
1: Hey, I'm gonna do it. Like I said, I'm down. <laughs> me too.
2: We uh, get over and, there and...
0: Back
1: and talked about it. So we it's could do it, it as a write off. We'll we can do. It yeah.
0: a, we can. We can all go it and write it off. We'll, we we still have to form the Minefields LLC. Yeah,
1: we can do minefields abroad.
0: Oh man, that would That's be good really. Da- that would be really dangerous. <laughs> Speaking of dangerous, we got comics to talk about. Before we kick this off. Uh, we're gonna go over our favorite obscure comic books, graphic novels, actually. So. uh Jesus, we've got a long list that we're going to go through. We may or may not get to all of them. we got Exos Swords Destruction number one, Nailbotter Returns number seven, Spawn number 312, Daredevil number 24, Deceased Planet six of seven, Dune, uh, you said House of Trades?
2: House of Trades, uh, Dune, House
0: of Trades number two. Okay, And uh, we've got U.S. Agent number one, Marvel Snapshot, Spider Man number one, uh, King and Black number one, maybe Thor number nine, but I think we already talked about Thor number nine. I'm gonna x that one out. Sorry, brother. That's fine. That's fine. But uh Colin, lead us off with your uh, favorite graphic novel uh, that is obscure in some sort of sense.
2: That's a thing. Okay, so now that I think of it, and I'm like, is this really a graphic novel? Because it was released as single issues when it came out in like 2003, and then I think it had a second printing in 2004. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I mean, I would almost – we were talking about Daniel Close for a second. I almost think that Daniel Close does more graphic novels. This is this is definitely a uh, – oh, gosh, like a trade paperback. But I'm going to say that it's a graphic novel. This is Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's We Three. And I know we've mentioned this in the past, but I don't think anybody's really had the uh, had the knowledge dropped on him about this thing. Um, basically, this is a very disconcerting tale – told in a very dreamlike fashion about a dog a cat they the, the domestic dog domestic cat and a rabbit what we would characterize as um, pets who were taken from people and then experimented on and given some power suits and the ability to communicate with one another but they're still animals and they still it's just like how do they perceive the world and how would they communicate with one another they're not articulate they're not they're not you know, spilling enormous volumes of information to one another. They're not even Cosmo from Guardians of the Galaxy. They're not even like, I don't know, Super Cat or whatever from Superman comics or some silliness like that. These are these they speak in basically one word uh, concepts and they they communicate with one another and they have a care for one another. Uh, but um, it's more about communicating a feeling. And the closest I can get to it is, like, if you watched the most recent Star Wars movie, uh, Dio, the little cone-headed, alien, or cone-headed uh, uh, droid in that, that just is like, thank you, no, or no, thank you, or whatever, and just little phrases like that. It's important to me that these animals, which are able to communicate with one another, are using really basic things and expressing themselves more by way of feeling because i think that's the best we could hope for from animals. Uh, it always gets me when like animals are able to talk in giant things like i don't know uh like luck dragon or whatever are uh Arte- not artax he was the horse. uh Falcor. What's the Falcor, Falcor in the Neverending Story or you know those those stories what it's one thing it's total fantasy but this is like this plausible car- or comic book concept of a world but to me like nothing that's going on with any of the human characters in this that are trying to track down these weapon systems uh as they've been turned into uh are compelling it's all about these animals and it's just i don't know you and i it, it, this was this was printed on the vertigo uh I- imprint Absolutely. so you know yeah i mean we, you know you know that kind of the the uh the quality of what that is if you were reading books in the early 2000s. And this, this came out of nowhere. Like, I just remember catching one or two issues when I was working at Speeding Bullet in Norman, and then maybe never finding another issue. And then you and I were able to come up with like a full run of it in a collection at, uh, what was it? Maybe it was at Mile High. No, we we're, were
0: at Mile High, the, the big one. Yeah. Uh,
2: but by the way, Mile High yeah.
0: is uh, Mile High, the, the, the biggest comic book store. In the world, the, the warehouse one here in Denver, there's a couple small little ones, but that is also mm-hmm. the home of New Era Wrestling, by the way, which Mr. Tony Morales oh, yeah. is one of the trainers. Mm-hmm. Shout okay. out to Mr. We'll, Tony we'll Reynolds. do we get
1: back? Shoot. <laughs> <And I can't laughs> no, wait. Screw, screw that guy.
0: Well, uh, right. the, the thing about this comic that I, I really enjoyed was uh, I, I really like breaking things down systematically or mathematically, and it, when it comes to form... Uh, like how mm-hmm. it 's made, and I really think that Grant Morrison was trying to challenge himself to make a the most in depth anthropomorphic graphic novel he could make in terms of challenging himself to make three things that you would like you don 't know you don 't you, you meet a person like nice to meet you like you know they might strike you, but that 's like one in a million when when you really you know have that sort of attachment to somebody but he he chose three animals that. People immediately will grasp onto a cat, a dog, and a rabbit. So immediately you've got that em- emotional uh, investment in it, and then they've got the the, the sappy covers that will just grab you because each one each one of these animals was kidnapped uh, or, or 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 stolen, and each issue start the the individual issues the the cover is the missing poster for each one of them, mm-hmm. and the way it ends with like the rabbit dies, right? Yeah, it's the rabbit that dies, but it ends up with they 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 end up freeing themselves and they become like best friends with just this homeless guy. And I remember that broke me, man. I cried like a baby at the end of that comic. And what a challenge yeah. to to get that sort of emotional response out of just three goddamn issues.
2: Oh, it's I mean, you got to think about it though. Everything every every good story is a three act play, and every good scene should have a beginning, and a middle, and an end. I think that the formula existed for that but it is still a challenge because you're you've got to get most of the story from the human secondary characters because the protagonists are not uh alliterating it this isn't the transformers movie where a bunch of cars suddenly just transform into robots and just spill the beans halfway through the story you know these guys are they're going along and doing it, it it's interesting because when i think about this story i think about the same type of thing where you get like a Non-verbal protagonist for right. most of the story, like Kurt Russell in Soldier, or maybe even Leon in Leon the Professional. Uh, but like, yeah, it just it's it's that kind of thing where it's like, what? How much can you get from the protagonist when they're incapable of expressing themselves uh, in, in in with verbose with qualities, the, the articulation that a human can.
0: Like yeah. Tony yeah. I've I've got a copy for you man I've got actually the individual, individual issues because one of the things that Colin and I do is that when the, there's certain comics out there uh, me in particular like if I find any issues of She or Dawn by Joseph Michael Linsner or any Chaos comic oh, book yeah. whether I have them already or not I, I buy them because I know that they're going to have a good home where they're cared for and second off <laughs> I know that if I meet someone that really wants them uh, they can just fucking have them because they, they deserve it like, one of those, like, you ever had, like, a, a novel that you just loved so much, lent it to someone, and then they never gave it back, and it was okay that they didn't give it back, and they end up giving that to someone else, and just continues mm-hmm. the ch- continues the chain, and uh, that's that's how I feel about we 3, so I've got a copy for you that you're going to just, uh, you're going to really like it, brother.
1: Cool, I'm down, shoot, sounds
0: interesting.
2: Well- yeah, it's something else, especially when you, co- when you combine it with that Frank Quietly art. Uh, it's really detailed. It's really, um, it, it, it's it's really illustrative, but it's stylistic too, and it's neat because they were working together more or less. Actually, no, you know, I think it was that I'm I'm pairing them up. Of course, Frank Quietly was doing illustrations on New X Men around that same time, and then Frank <laughs> Quietly did some. Maybe no, you know, I'm thinking of John Cassidy. John Cassidy worked with uh, Joss Whedon on uh, Astonishing X Men. that right. Yeah, Astonishing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like there is a vaguely similar style uh, in these kind of weird, cartoony, scrunched versions of of these characters we are really familiar with. So putting them into a situation where you're focusing on something that, you know, has a fluffy quality is just, it's just dreamy and it's surreal. I think that's another aspect of it that I really appreciate. What's some, what, what, what else do we have? Tony, what do you got?
1: Alright, I didn't quite go quite as obscure, but it's one I personally really was into. I got uh Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns.
2: Oh Jeff Johns. So this
1: one, yeah. Uh, came out around twenty twelve if I remember correctly. hmm Um it's basically it's basically you know Bruce Wayne become you know, he's he's Batman at this point. But like he never actually he never really went out and got all the training. That you know, Bruce Wayne in the you know, Earth Prime uh, really got. You know, he he, he wasn't the, not the world's greatest detective. He's not the best fighter. You know, he goes out there like the first scene is him trying to use his grappling gun to get across a roof, and the grappling gun just you know gets tangled, and he <laughs> just falls while chasing this guy that has his dead father's lighter, and his entire purpose is just to get that damn lighter back because. That was his gift to his dad on Christmas before they died, is and he harsh. swears up and down that this has got to be. This is all leading towards something. There's this big, huge conspiracy theory against his family that led to their that de- their deaths, that just destroyed his family, and he's gonna find out what the plan was.
0: Is 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 it all about like chasing down the lighter from issue one to last issue?
1: Yeah, the whole thing is he's, he's trying to get the slider back, but um, and then it turns out that Alfred's actually the one. Um, Alfred comes in, and he's got all this military training from his time in England.
2: Nice. And
1: they end up getting right at one point in it, and freaking because um, he tells Bruce, "You're not ready for this. You're going to die. Like this is this is a bad idea. You're an idiot. You need to just calm down and you know be a man." And they end up getting into a fight, and Bruce ends up kicking his leg out from underneath them and turns out that uh, Alfred's got a prosthetic leg. Oh, man. Yeah.
2: But did he know that going in after it? Bruce knew. Oh, Bruce dude. knew,
1: and he took advantage of the situation. And at the end of the fight, he Alfred just looks at him and he's like, maybe you are ready. You know, if you're willing to do that to somebody you care about.
0: Was that like the test? You
1: know, I don't think it was a test per se, but, but I think he kind of saw it as like, okay, you know, we we were given this opportunity. Let's if we're gonna do this, let's do it right. Did, there, you know, uh, there's is, there's that.
2: Hmm? Is Robin in it anywhere at all?
1: Uh no, there's no Robin. There's no uh, Barbara Gordon's in it, but she's not Batgirl. Is she um, uh, is she you know,
2: wheelchair course,
1: bound? Uh, no, she is she's just uh, normal. This is pre this is pre anything. Like we okay. end up finding out later that the uh, the penguin's the mayor. So not that's outside. kind of where – that's where Batman or that's where Bruce swears this is all leading to because his father was running for office against the Penguin, oh. and that's when he, that's when they happen to die. <laughs> okay. Did they bring Joe Chill in so, uh, the, um, There's a guy that kills him, but there's not – I don't believe it's actually – I don't think it's actually Joe Till. It just ends up being a guy in an alleyway, and they happen to be in the wrong place, wrong time which kind of screws up Bruce because he's, you know, like I said, he spent the last 10 years thinking about this moment and coming down to everything. And at the end of the day, it was just a robbery. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. There was no conspiracy theory against the Wayans.
2: Man, I freaking love Elseworlds and I love what if stories Mm -hmm. at a certain point. I've read and enjoyed more like alternate history stuff and alternate fictions uh, like the star, all of the Star Trek uh, mirror universe and alternate history stuff uh, has been way more entertaining than trying to keep up with the main through line of any of the like season eight books and stuff like that and mm-hmm. uh, it's, like some of those Star Wars Infinities books were so good all of that like all of these things—that's what I dig about DC—is having the entire like numbered world concept that Marvel does too, but it's—it's it's, they just don't. I don't. I don't feel like they capitalize on it enough.
1: Yeah, definitely. I,
2: I, every time I hear any kind of alternate take on on these characters, it's it's just almost more impressive to to me then trying to keep up with, oh, yeah, we just rejiggered this world or we figured this or whatever, you know, like we're going to do a battle world and we're going to do a secret war and it's going to restart this and now Thor's got his eye back or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. i yeah. just like, I'd rather just, you know, let it keep going, let it keep going its direction, phase people in, phase people out. But if we want to read about those circumstances, let somebody come in with an idea. I like that, man.
1: Yeah, no, it's really cool. And on top of that, there's uh, the interactions with – um. Uh, gordon and um and harvey bullock because at this time freaking the penguin actually ended up murdering uh gordon's wife and gordon gordon again is he's a beaten man like he has lost his wife and he's terrified that like if he pisses off penguin penguin's gonna take out barbara so he's he's just he he is a cop on the take man it's it's weird Wow. Yeah, Gordon actually is. He's just a beaten man. He's he's terrified. He lost his wife. He doesn't want to lose his daughter, and he is willing to do whatever it takes to. He will go to any length, and he will sink to any depth to keep his daughter safe. Books but like Bullock, on the other hand, Bullock's young. He's in shape, really, um, and he's yeah, he's young. He's in shape, and he's a he's a TV star. He was on a he he, he transfers into Gotham from another city. But he, I think he was from Hollywood and he was on this Hollywood cop show (laughs) where he was all these mysteries and, you know, every week he'd have all of them done in 30 minutes or less. And he's just come, he comes in and for once he's the young hopeful, uh, the basically rookie cop in this area. And he, you know, he's the one fighting Jim at every turn being like, you know, we have to do what's right. We have to help these people. And, you know, Gordon's just like, shut up. You're going to get us killed.
2: Dude, that's sick. It's that's yeah. such a cool idea. Like in a world where where uh, he ha- where a guy hasn't been ground down by how awful Gotham can be. Uh, I guess let me ask you this: as a, as a person who is more of a DC authority than certainly I am, like. How often does the whole mob aspect come in in Batman? I know they try to fit that into the movies and everything, and it's questionable because it always seems like it's so supervillain oriented or rogues gallery oriented. I mean, is that it? Play it really really is? Mm-hmm. It really is
1: pretty much. Um, one of the best books I read that was focused more on like the mob mentality of it was uh, GCPD.
0: It oh, was yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: And that was an amazing book just focusing on all the cops and how they deal with being almost second tier to Batman because nobody respects them because Batman's going to come save the day regardless. Oh, and that was like wow. a big book because that's where they actually outed um, Renee Montoya as a lesbian.
2: Oh, okay, and
1: sure. That was a huge thing from that series. But the series itself is incredible. Like it's it's freaking beautifully drawn. I can't remember off the top of my head who it's drawn by. But it's beautifully written, it's beautifully drawn. And it just it's all these cops and you know, like I said, some of them are on the take, some of them are legit good cops. Um I believe Crispin Allen's in there who is the Spectre. Nice but like we don't we yeah. never see him as the
2: Spectre. <clears throat> oh man, I love it when they do stuff like that and it's like, Hey, here's a Here's a guy we're usually seeing in stuff, and they're just non-powered, but they're still doing it. Like, I, I loved it. I loved uh, Peter Parker being a police, uh, I don't know, to what end. Uh, he was He was some kind of a police officer in, like, Spider-Girl mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. You know, like, I know I gave up being Spider-Man, so now I'm a cop. But, like... Yeah. Stuff like that is just kick ass. Uh, I've got. Is this book you're talking about like easily gettable? Is it out there?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think I think okay. I picked up this one at uh, Barnes and Noble.
2: Oh sure. Okay. Batman. Yeah. It, I mean, Batman, not... uh, Earth One, right?
1: Earth One. There's two Earth volumes one. right now. I believe they're doing a third volume to come out in the summer of 2020. Finally, because mm-hmm. like I said, this, this the first volume came out in 2012. Like they've got. Two volumes of this so far. They got three volumes of an Earth One Superman, two volumes of an Earth One Wonder Woman, and it's just all reimaginings. I think Teen awesome. Titans, yes. Um, Green Lantern has one, and then I believe they're doing Flash in twenty twenty one as well.
0: Wonderful. I've got. Oh yeah. I've got two takeaways from this. Mm-hmm. Um, lit a fire in my ass, but I thank you, Tony. Um, what, number one, this is why writing books like this are why writing workshops are essential to writers. Where you I, you get challenged where instead of doing a batman story where he's all powerful or superman is all powerful or you know all his gadgets you're given all these limitations yet you or you, you have to write a batman story but he's not the world's best detective he's not that strong uh you're going to have to flip the lid on a few of these people that are linchpins in terms of like solid backbone for the story like gordon always being you know solid you know never ne- uh, completely unfailing Bullock being the the drunk fat piece of shit uh, that eventually does the right thing, and then we just gave you all that. Now make it good. And when you get challenged like that, it, it really helps you develop as a writer, and also help people understand why it's important to think outside the box and not just it's got to be like you know that's why Superman's so boring is because you're not gonna totally you, yeah you, yeah. Uh, the, the second thing is, is uh, there's a couple things of, that you said that rang my bell about – have either of you ever read or uh, seen L.A. Confidential?
2: Oh my god. I absolutely <laughs> love it. In fact, I take a degree of my personal writing style. Me too. At least since I've started my, my rewrite on my novel from the, uh, from the penmanship of L.A. Confidential because it was too wordy. And um, oh man, you just yes, my brain just exploded when you said that. It's, it's such a such an incredible movie. It's one of the first best things I ever saw that I like Russell Crowe in. Right. Uh, and then uh, oh god, forget about it. Like Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. What? Like how come he isn't in everything? He's one of my. He's, it just feels. Like, it just he's feels my like second favorite. Pull him out. He's all my the second time. favorite actor. the The thing about
0: La Confidential that ring a bell. The, wait,
2: wait. Who's your first favorite actor?
0: Uh, Patrick Wilson.
2: Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, tell us, tell us who he is, real quick. Tangentially,
0: he's what is that? Uh, he's Night Owl. He's Barry mm-hmm. Monday. He's in uh, all of the uh, God. What are those Night super- Owl and the Watchmen? Watchmen, yeah. He's in, yeah those, uh, Watchmen he's in all those Watchmen. Uh, he's in all those supernatural movies where he's like Ed and him and his wife. They're famous supernatural hunters. Uh, but the the thing about LA Confidential, the, the second thing that that rung rung strong. Thank you, Tony. By the way, was that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about Bullock being the the Hollywood guy. Remember, Kevin Spacey's character was the Hollywood guy.
2: Yes, he was yes. the Hollywood
0: guy. That he he was like the narco guy. That was the uh, the, the what do you call those guys that that, that help? Uh, They're the, the, the reference vice squad. He was vice.
2: He was he was he was on a
0: vice squad, wasn't he? Yeah, but the, well, no, he was on narco, but they moved him to. No, he was on. No, he was on vice. Yeah, he was right. He was on vice, but he did narco stuff on the uh-huh. side. But the thing is, he was the he was the consultant on Badge of Honor, which was the their yeah. their their, their idea. dragnet. Their Dragnet, yeah, and uh, right. they took it away from him. And so, so you, Tony, you rang that bell. And the second thing was about the the fight with Alfred was when Dudley Dudley is questioning Guy Pierce's character. He's like, "No, I want to be I want to be I want to be detective, not lieutenant." And he's like, right. "When your dad made detec- detective, it was as lieutenant." And he's like, "Yeah, well, I want to be detective." And he's like, "Okay, let me ask you a couple questions here. Are you willing to plant evidence, corroborative evidence, on a suspect that you know to be guilty? No. Are you willing to shoot a hardened criminal in the back to avoid it to avoid him uh, escaping conviction? No. Then, for God's sake, don't be a detective." <laughs> and um, yeah, and and I, I don't even want to get into it, that sort of idea right now because you know. What's going on right now with people's idea of cops? But this is back when there was black and white, right is oh, right so is 1940s, wrong. 1940s, 50s. Yeah, and and the the test that you're talking about, Tony, that you're talking about that uh, the the fight when he eventually swept the leg and said <laughs> yeah. and said you're right at the end. Of, Tony, have you seen L.A. Confidential?
1: I am not, but I'm really interested in hearing you guys talk oh, about it,
2: dude. It's nuts. It's I'm so. I'm making a
1: point to watch it this weekend.
2: Kim Basinger. who else is in that? James Cromwell is uh, Dudley, the yep. uh, the the captain. Uh, it's it's so good. It's, it's unbelievable. You got a character like Bullock, like Russ Russell Crowe's um uh his his partner makes me think of Harvey Bullock. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it, when you see this movie, you are going to go Dick like, Stensland. "Oh my gosh!" I know exactly what he was talking about,
1: Tony. Nice. I look forward to it,
0: Tony. This movie is as good as Pulp Fiction.
2: I you know what I think I like it even better than Pulp Fiction. It's just something that's more co- cohesive uh, and uh, and accessible somehow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and um, but it is it is enriched. It is an enriched storyline. Uh, what? Let me. Uh, let me ask one question about Harvey Bullock just because we happen to be uh bringing him up a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Is um was he not an invention of the Batman cartoon series? He was
1: not. Uh no, okay. he was um Trinity Koo, because there was like Harley Harley Quinn definitely came from there. Um Lockup came from there. There's like five or six different characters on the the Great Ghost, I believe came from there, who was Batman's freaking idol or he was he was who Batman wanted to be because he was a famous TV star that was mm. like a superhero. And that's probably, like, legitimately probably my all-time favorite episode. Because okay, uh, the great ghost is actually played by Adam West in the tea, <laughs> in, like, in cartoon. Beautiful. Because Adam of <laughs> he is. And it's amazing. Nice. Tony, earlier you, said wow.
0: that right. earlier, earlier you said something like... All right. Earlier you said something like you almost apologized for not picking something obscure. We're, we're not trying to be fucking... Uh, the pissing contest, about who can pull out the most obscure book? <laughs> but you pulled one out that just—no, oh, no, lit- I'm not going to win that battle. I know that. <laughs> no, 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 dude. You pulled it's something no out. <laughs> it's not a battle. We're we're just looking to walk through minefields, and you lit a fire under both our asses with something that uh, I'm glad is easy accessible. Like I, I want people to go out and get this. This is great, great pick, dude. Great pick. Awesome,
2: dude. Yeah, seriously, it's nothing. See, that's what that's what I appreciate about this is. Maybe it's something that we would. Maybe it's something I've never heard of. I mean, I'm familiar with all of these characters, but like the mere idea that you brought this up, like, now I want to read this. I want to check this out. And it's that there is a, a a, 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 a contiguous series going on with this Earth One concept with other characters. I would really rather go out and read something that is a retelling of what I'm familiar with, you you everybody knows their origin story. Everybody knows Spider-Man's origin story. Everybody knows, you know, no, people don't really know Daredevil. People don't know necessarily like Shang-Chi or something like that. But yeah. like the main guys, everybody knows it already. So going in and like retelling it for people who are like, I don't want to go try to figure out what's going on with like the 58th time that Lois Lane and Superman have, figured out her, his identity or whatever like you know are they married are they not married none of that stuff matters to me anymore I want someone to give me something fresh with those characters so I like, to even know that this exists and maybe that's where I go now for my DC fix when I feel yeah. like it and I'll, awesome. I'll tell you what they,
1: they even see they me. even made like freaking because uh, like I said they did three volumes of Superman and it is easily probably my personal freaking favorite anything to do with Superman yeah Better than All Star? Has mm-hmm. been these Earth One books. All Star is good. I love me some All Star, but I, I personally, it's, for me, I would rank it on top of All Star.
0: Dude, we gotta get these Ooh, fucking wow. books, dude. Alright. Alright, so my All right, pick. I'm gonna look for this. My pick is, is stupid, but uh, I'm, it's, it's not stupid <laughs> to me. It's, it's, uh, it's Johnny the Homicidal Maniac uh, director's cut. No problem. I've got the hardbound and I've got the graphic. I've got the hardbound still in this, in the, in the, uh, the wrapper, but I've got the, the, the fucking paperback one that has shit highlighted and notes and shit in it because it was just to, to, to break it down. The reason I picked this book and I, I I didn't realize I was about to talk more about exposed parts of myself. I'm because I'm, you guys know me, but like, uh, I I, I kind of pride myself on everyone else not, <laughs> and, um, yeah. in in the in the mid '90s, goth culture. If if you put a gun to someone that's like forty five, thirty eight, like me, uh, that was like super hardcore goth in the mid '90s, at least fourteen to twenty eight, uh, and you put a gun to their head and said, "What is the goth bible at the moment?" They're gonna say Neil Gaiman's The Sandman, or they're gonna say Anne Rice's Anne Rice's uh, Vampire Chronicles, Vampire Lestat, man. Yeah, it, like yeah, all of those. All of the or, or the crow, uh, n- not even to a lesser totally Jo Bar.
2: Yeah, it, yeah. It, it
0: it broke. All of those combined is what hardcore goth culture was back in the mid nineties. When when you, you you couldn't go to Hot Topic to get leather boots or fake leather boots, you had to you actually had to really hunt these down. Fishnets weren't something you, get you could some easily. ports. Yeah. Ports. Rockford's.
2: Yeah. What was it
0: called? you D- D- Doc There's a lot of different shit out there. Like getting not black for. nail polish. Doc Martins, was, yeah. It was. Getting black and get polish. a copy
2: of Violator by Depeche Mode. Yeah, you gotta, that's standard. Or Typo Negative, or Sisters of Mercy, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, we can go on and on. Bajas, for sure. For, well, yeah. 100%. percent yeah. Now, uh, mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, when that
0: culture was dying out and being completely appropriated by that stupid-ass emo shit, because people couldn't d- differentiate between emo and goth, in a... Yep. In, and I'm not trying to be funny here. I am not trying to uh, upset anyone. But the difference between goth and emo was, if you were rude to a goth, a uh, uh, emo kid, they're gonna go home and cry and listen to some really shitty music and write some really shitty poetry. The di- the the goth portion was is that we're gonna go home and listen to some kick ass music: Nine Inch Nails, Bauhaus, Sisters of Mercy. Just like you said. Uh, Probably cast a spell on you. <laughs> Probably, yeah, for, for real. But like, rather than cry about it, uh, well, they're the ones that shoot up the schools. Um, they're the ones that that really had that really had. Yeah, I know. Look, I'm getting canceled can you, again. Can you
2: can you can you guys hear how hard I'm clenching my teeth? Yeah.
0: Anyway, <laughs> biting, biting my They wrist. took my trench coat away from me. Like after Columbine, they, oh I, I, dude. Yeah, they took. And I was like, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know these assholes. That was my one winter jacket. Where did you
2: Where did you live when that happened? Alaska, two thousand was.
0: No, it Alaska, was... Alaska, yeah. It was 90... Yeah, 2000, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I was, was wearing a trench coat in high school. No, it wasn't yeah, was...
0: 2000. It was 90... I, I was out of high school. but I graduated, 98, high, 99. Like 98, 99. It was like right, It was we're right after about... The Matrix. So it was
2: 99. If you guys know what we're talking about, we're talking about the Aurora, Colorado, shooting between Dylan Kleibold and... What was it? Kleibold and Harris? So not, I can't remember not, Harris's not worth name. Not remembering but... their names.
0: And I'm, like I said, I'm not making a joke. But uh, when... After all that, and... If things started declining. decline. The goth movies that were coming out were were more like hackers and you know, more cyberpunk type shit.
2: <laughs> Is that a goth movie?
0: More cyberpunk type <laughs> shit. Um well um definitely I'm gonna go ahead and tell you guys I was working at Hot Topic. <laughs> I worked at Hot Topic. Hey and No uh,
2: problem, no problem. I got these lot of people work there.
0: I got these books like on eighth, ninth prints. Like they were it's written by Jonan Vasquez who if you're not familiar with guys and I talked about this earlier He's the guy that created Invader Zim, which was just knock out of the park. One of those, one of those uh, cartoons from Nickelodeon that had a lot of uh, subtle, really bad adult jokes in it. But um, this was what took goth culture on on an up again. And the reason I picked it is because it it perfectly gets into a head of someone that grew up hardcore goth in... Jonan put himself as Johnny the Homicidal He lives alone in this rundown house, and basically he's he's got all the, the makings of that shithead that you know you're sitting at Denny's at three in the morning smoking cigarettes for five hours and drinking coffee, and you're just shitting clothes. on yeah you're smoking, <laughs> yeah close you're shitting on everyone, <laughs> and he put it into a comic book, uh, the, the the style like where it was it was uh, glamorous to be as skinny as possible. Uh, where <laughs> yes, your, your fantasies were absolutely murderous, and even, like, he, he meets a girl that actually digs him, he, and how many listeners, if you ever had a goth guy freak out on you on the first date, uh, this happens in the book. Uh, the the kid next door, Squee, is the kid that just happens to see everything that Johnny's doing and gets more and more uh, fucked up from it, and... The 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 supernatural aspect to it is that Johnny's wall he has to keep fresh with blood because it's it's like this void that constantly is gonna if it breaks through is gonna destroy everything. The artwork is really bad.
2: Oh, wild. Okay. The, the, the
0: art the artwork is if you look took one look at it you would think the artwork is really bad. I love it, but it's all done in in ink. It's completely black and white. It's from slave labor. It's from slave labor, and um, but it's really dense. That's a company, not yeah. a not an ethos. Yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, <laughs> you see him grow throughout the throughout the book. You see people that he doesn't like with band shirts on that he thinks sucks, which is a thing like in goth culture. Like if you <laughs> like that band, fuck you. Oh
2: wait, like uh, who was the little kid on Beavis and Butthead that had the winger t shirt? Yeah, Stuart. He, he's, oh, a, he, the little blonde guy. Yeah, Stuart.
0: He had a winger shirt. Like and, Stuart, and yeah. They, they incorporated all that, and it, it's this fantastic story. It's completely it is completely inappropriate absolutely not safe for work or kids and uh, eventually him and his buddies uh, that were doing the same comics uh, like uh, Roman Dirge was doing Lenore the living dead girl um
2: Oh, that's the other.
0: yeah, totally. Uh-huh. And uh, he brought all his buddies that were doing that shit into Do Invader Zim, and eventually they got all fired because they were always drunk or fucking high, and uh, they were sneaking they were sneaking some really like worse than the jokes that were in Rocco's Modern Life into Invader Zim, and it, it, I cherish this book. It, I read I reread the whole goddamn thing at work today. But uh,
2: what's this noise, guys? Is there an airplane landing in somebody's room? Tony, can you hear us?
1: I can hear you guys fine. I don't know what the noise would be. I just put my cup down
2: a second ago, but oh, no. that's all sounded I got. Like... Yeah, I don't hear any. It like car... sounded like a train was going by or something. Okay, so oh. that was at 42 minutes and uh, almost 43 minutes in case anybody's playing uh, for editing purposes. but Yeah, I'm not editing <clears> <throat> this. <laughs> <laughs> This nah. is a pretty off-the-cuff uh, podcast, everybody. Uh, if that bothered you, then, uh, you know, let us, you know, start throwing money at us so we can buy time in a, in a real recording studio. Or go to Germany. Go to yeah. Germany.
0: we got to make that happen. You're going to want to fire my ass. I'm telling you, man, we, we, we could do happen. a freaking Minefields Ring Comp. It would be incredible. Ring comp. I could make that right happen. There. I can make that happen. I know, I know. a guy. That, I know a guy that trains there, and him and I are still friends. Hit, hit,
1: wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Since <laughs> so my chest heals up all the way, I'll take a chop from Walter. I don't mind. I'll take Dude, a chop. From, it'll I'll, suck, but I'm dead with it. I'll take a concussion
0: I'm down, from I'm Walter. i some chops. I'll take a concussion from Walter. I still got a couple of lives left in this tank.
2: Why not? <laughs> We're taking those I, chops in New Orleans. The cops were just like, well, you know, hey, they're hurting each other. They're not hurting anybody else. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. We we were we, were, we were doing chops it's, on Bourbon Street. It's New
2: Orleans, Street. I'm sure they've seen worse. Dude,
0: yeah. we we were taking pictures with the cops after that man with like, I've got a photo where I, I didn't even have a shirt on. I just had that vest and fucking mm-hmm, we were just yes. taking chops and they're like, whatever, fuck it. You guys aren't you guys are drunk, but fuck it. You guys are behaving. It, within, within me? With, <laughs> yeah. within,
1: with... I'll tell you what. We actually almost got kicked out of a bar on my 30th birthday. Because um, we were doing a little insider thing. We always used to do uh, birthday chops for all the wrestlers mm. on their birthday. Oh. And I think I had, wow. I had my 30th birthday. We had our 31st birthday. We got in, like 20 guys together and gone to this little bar where we did karaoke at up in uh, Aurora. And freaking, you know, the uh, freaking some of the waitresses came back there in the back room. Freaking, I had my shirt off, just taking chops from like 20 or 30 guys. And they were like, You guys keep doing that. We'll have to kick you guys out. And luckily, it'd been like right around maybe two or three people left, but wasn't a big deal. But yeah, they were ready to kick us out over it.
0: (laughs) Ah, fuck them. We need to, once we get money on this, we need to open up a wrestling metal bar, man. Just. Color, we we draw the line at color. <laughs> like once there's blood.
1: God Man, damn! We just interviewed Cumberbatch. Yeah, we just interviewed the current CSW Hardcore Champion, and you're going to talk about how we can't have color.
0: Oh no, no! No, I didn't say no. I didn't say can't have color. I said after color. Like anything worse than color, we're good. So
2: okay. So big guns can't come. <laughs> for for all of our people who are tuned in mainly because they dig comics and they don't necessarily know what that means let's uh let's explain that real quick yeah we were we uh work for a local what is is getting color color is bleeding there you go color is vernacular
0: oh yeah yeah That, that wasn't a whites only thing
2: yeah yeah I
0: appreciate you always. I I appreciate you always. uh, Like, because, like, dude, I got, I had a collar freak out of me. Like, you sound like one of those white guys that, like, he, she went off on something. I'm like, I ain't white. I'm fucking Mexican. (laughs) Tony's fucking Puerto Rican. Yeah. And you're, you're straight from the mountains. You're straight from the mountains of Caucasia.
2: (laughs) 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 Maybe. I don't know. You're, you're our token white guy. Token white guy, thank you. Thank so, you. Someone's gonna talk to the cops and it
0: is not gonna be me and Tony. <laughs> you guys I, I'm very it?
1: eloquent with the police, I'll have you know.
2: You have a you're very articulate with your your, your, your voice. I I don't think you uh you come off as any kind of uh, like under uh or some bullshit, you know? I mean like <laughs> you're just You, you, yeah, you're you're very you're very articulate and astute. Those are two things I always want to be personally. So, yeah. Well, what do we got? We got comics. We got to do some comics, other comics, comics that are not obscure graphic novels or collections. Tony, hit us up first with some Daredevil, baby. No, we're at it. I got
1: Daredevil twenty four here. Let me see. Our good friend Mister Sardarsky. Yep, yep. So uh, let me see. So right now we're working our way towards the trial of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his legal team of Foggy Nelson and his ex-girlfriend Kristen McDuffie. And as he walks in, at the end of last issue, we found out that Daredevil's the third part of Daredevil's law team is actually um, Matt Murdoch.
2: That was a huge shock to me. So I was like, "What the hell is going on?" That's <laughs> yeah. that's why I told you you needed to read the
1: annual because
0: I was like, "What? What the? F-? I called you all upset about that. Like, what the fuck is this random guy that is like the clone, but all of a sudden had some mystical thing happen to him, and all of a sudden he's got all of his memories? And like, what the hell is the point of this one?"
1: Yeah. All of a sudden, they magically Ooh. have about they magically grew up together. Yep. But yeah, it turns out that Matt Murdoch is actually his twin brother, Mike Murdoch.
2: Dude, so I, have to deal with that. I have not got to read it yet. I am uh, flabbergasted at this. Great,
1: great. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty solid. So the, the the issue starts off with Matt talking to Foggy about this, or Daredevil talking to Foggy about his his brother being his, you know, in his on his law team, and how this is a horrible idea. And Foggy Foggy just he's like, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. Kristen was asking questions. You know, we needed you. You obviously can't be here. Had to. Ma- I. I made a you know uh, at that moment decision. So unfortunately, it's kinda, it just kind of is what it is. And you know, we're stuck. <laughs> so they're trying to figure that out, and Daredevil leaves. And then we go talk. And then next thing you know, um, Wilson Fisk is taking a shower.
2: Ooh!
1: And who happens to be of the well, shower we've been waiting
2: for How? for twenty five years?
1: Typhoid Mary.
2: Oh, jumping in with him.
1: Yeah. Well, she doesn't jump in with him. She has a a, a plan.
2: Yeah. Talking
1: about it. how he needs a new bodyguard, and you know Wilson talks about how he's already got a bodyguard, and she turns around and is like, "Uh, no, you don't." So we're trying to you know we're dealing with some interesting uh, Typhoid Mary Wilson Fisk conversations there. The the thing now that... on top of that, Daredevil told. Hmm,
0: no, you go for it. Sorry,
1: sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, on top of that, the whole thing with Daredevil is Daredevil actually the whole reason Daredevil's on trial is because he inadvertently killed a man. Right. And you know, knowing Daredevil with his you know his conscience, you know he, he you know he surrenders himself and he's gonna he's gonna go to trial. But his whole goal before he does that is to um, fix Hell's Kitchen. 'Cause there's a lot of property coming up for sale. And you know, as he's you know, he can't handle it himself, he actually goes to his friend Tony Stark, Iron Man, yeah, hoping that Tony will bid on this property uh, so t- that way to outbid yeah, those the Strow- assholes. The yeah. He's trying to outbid the Strowans. Yeah. That way they can't destroy Hell's Kitchen. You know, he talks Tony into it and they're but you know, the bid's supposed to be at noon the following day. And freaking, you know, hopefully they'll get it, and that way they can, you know, help out the people of Hell's Kitchen.
0: Livable, livable, affordable housing—like drop it down. Make sure that you know keep their bubble safe. And that was it. I I wonder if he was like, if when Zadarski wrote this, like this was pre-COVID. Um, but the the idea of giving people that sort of break from a, a big corporation or, or some mystery. Uh, donor or something like that to to make things right for them to to, to perpetuate their their lifestyle and 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 keep their culture alive, um, regardless uh, if it's not like you know chic Manhattan. But man, I I would pick Hell's Kitchen over Manhattan any fucking day over the week.
2: Hell's Kitchen is actually part of Manhattan. Uh, it's on the Upper West or it's in the Midwest side, if you want to call it that. Uh, okay. The crazy thing too is having been there it's not this like pandemonium scene. I, they, they really make it out to be kind of a hellhole in in uh, this series. But like, it's crazy. Cause like New York is the New York of the Marvel universe, or at least the Manhattan of the, of the Marvel universe is very uh, riddled with problems. Um, and it, it leads me to wonder why anyone would want to live there at all with all of this pandemonium taking place. Uh, property damage, collateral damage, all of this, you know, unfortunate business of, like, Daredevil even accidentally killing somebody or even Spidey showing up recently and saying, yeah, I one time accidentally killed a guy and it's been breaking me up forever. And, you know, you Joshua, you reviewed that one, you know, several several uh, issues ago. And it's like, you know, yeah, Hell's Kitchen is not that bad. I mean, I went and ate there. We had dinner and it's a really nice place and it was kind of schwank. It wasn't bad. I mean, it was... nice. It's 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 just not a terrible place like they make it out. It's not it's not the Lower East Side which used to be, uh, kind of dodgy and like during one of the power outages I think people were very concerned in that area. But um, you know, it's not Chinatown. Chinatown's not bad either. Chinatown's kind of beautiful, uh, fascinating. I was on the phone with Joshua when I was walking around in Chinatown one time. We we we've, we've done a lot about Daredevil, and actually I mm-hmm. think we've
0: covered almost every single episode, issue of Daredevil um but i think you're right since since the darcy took over and, and it's it's worth it but you and i have talked about it a lot but uh tony i want to know why you like this comic book so much and yeah, how question. does it resonate with oh? you you
1: know really it's 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 an interesting story like i grew up catholic so i like the fact that there's a, a you know a superhero that kind of has similar values and kind of you know, that, that, you know, the age-old Catholic guilt. Yeah, that's like, a i definitely in a position right where I've done some, some shady stuff that I'm like, oh, I'm really, I shouldn't have done that, and I need to atone. So I definitely, I, I really kind of, you know, I got into the character uh, initially off the TV show. Mm-hmm. And for, I didn't even think the movie was all that horrible for, you know, the time period it was made.
2: Well, oh, we know, were lucky kinda, to have it at that time period, you
1: know? Yeah. You know, freaking, and you know, Ben Affleck didn't do a bad job. He just, you know, wasn't the best script. You know, it is what it is.
2: Have you watched but the, the uh, director? I just cast? really
1: I, I have not actually. I need to. I heard that's substantially off, better.
2: It's I'd give it a 30% better than the theatrical version, by the way. Awesome.
1: But yeah, obviously that's the biggest thing. Is just like, I, I, I really kind of relate to him as the person and plus you know they kind of throw they throw some interesting stuff up in there since sadarsky took over like when he was um when he was messing around with the married woman it's like oh you know daredevil shouldn't you know he shouldn't be doing that and you know here he is and it's like you know it's going to eventually bite him in the ass you're just not quite sure how and it sure did
0: the other day i was talking with uh randy rude and uh you just left um it was the day after. I, I saw you on Saturday, and then I I dropped by to get some uh, stuff I'd left behind on Sunday, and uh, we mentioned that you dropped drop by. And uh, Randy was like, "You're tight with Tony." I'm like, "Yeah, Tony and tight. We're we're bros." And he was like, "That's not easy to do, man." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and and he was like, "the The first time I really like got to know Tony was um, I was trying to book uh, book him and Cumby come, come back to uh." Better, uh Benjamin Cumberbatch, we call him Gumby here, and, Match. uh, and,
1: uh, <laughs> like a batch of oranges. Yeah. Or a batch of candy.
0: And, uh, he's like, yeah, uh, I was trying to book him, and, uh, Tony, uh, we went to, I think he said the corner pocket? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't know that you had gotten, well, he, this is what he said, I didn't know how badly he'd gotten burned by previous CSW management, uh, mm-hmm. we're not going to name names, but, um. Well, screw that guy, I'll throw his name out there. I don't care.
1: I ain't scared. Nice that fat fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh he uh he he said that you like laid it out like why do I need to come back? Are you gonna fuck me? Yeah. And he was like kind of like kinda of, like wasn't expecting you to be so blunt and then he's like, No, he's he's a true blue man. Like we, we hashed it out over a game of pool. Yeah. And like that really resonated with me, man, because it like that's that's how men get down. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when you're doing business, mm-hmm. you, you don't just like it, no. We we I gotta know how you shake hands. I gotta know how you play pool. I gotta know what you drink, and then how you're gonna do business. And uh, it resonates with me from what you're talking about in terms of of Daredevil because that is exactly how Daredevil is. He's not gonna get in a bed with anyone until he's got a good sense of who they are and um the catholic thing I, I grew up catholic as well um and this, this is kind of silly but i remember I was watching this TV show 30 rock and um one of the main okay. characters was trying to find a, a new a religion so everyone would like him and he couldn't find anything he liked <laughs> he couldn't find anything he liked and then uh he he found catholicism and when he was told like yeah you can do whatever you want you just got to go to confession and then alec baldwin's character was like no no you don't understand yeah, you can go to confession, but there's the crushing guilt that never leaves. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and, and and it's it's exactly like that. Like when I'm having too much fun, I'm like, man, like my mom's gonna get mad at me. Like, she'd be so ashamed. <laughs> my grandpa's <laughs> watching down on me. I know, but like, <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's all there, and uh, I, it 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 totally vibrates the same frequency. What's going on with Matt Murdock right now? And uh the the way Electra pulled it out of her ass that she used the money that she had absconded with after uh using Matt to get the money to help the hand to buy out Hill's kitchen, um that that added so much more gravitas mm-hmm. to the story. And uh Yep Guys, uh I cheated and I read the I read the next issue and it's over.
1: <laughs>
2: nah, you're killing me.
0: It's anyway. <laughs> Colin, what do you got? What
2: do we got here. Um, let me. I, you know, I just got them in a stack. I'm not in any particular order. We'll get into the argument phase later about, <laughs> or what I. What, what I don't know if I'd call it that, dude. Okay. Um, I got King in Black number one. Um, this I I actually picked up a variant copy just because I don't know it just happened to be there and it it took to me. It's not like I was uh drawn to it for any other reason so i don't know i've got the one with all the heroes on the cover um this is disappointing to me i picked up null number one also null is of course the symbiote god so if you're into venom and you like extreme stuff i mean this is kind of up your alley because the art is what i'm gonna call extreme Did, Um, did rob Liefeld do it no, but uh, no. I mean, I can go through the credits, but uh, what, uh if I can find the right page, I think it's way deep in there. Oh yeah, it's at the back. Uh, it's Ryan Stegman. Not 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 to say it's not that it's bad art. It's just it's like it's over the top. But that's always always what Venom is. Venom is, I, and I guess that's something I can appreciate because it's like I get a complaint where I'm like. All right, Marvel movies, cool. We should be able to take Captain America movies seriously. We should be able to take Thor seriously with doses of comic relief because he's a god, but we've got all these side characters that are that are comical. It makes sense to me. And then you do something like, you know, Ragnarok and it's like, "Wow, that's way over the top, guys." But like you've got other books where other things are happening and depending on what the design concept is, You should know what to expect. Like, you know, Daredevil should be realistic or hyper-realistic and gritty, in my opinion. Or Captain America should be, you know, like a standard, fun, superhero comic. Uh, And it should should always feel that way and look that way. And then Venom is a character that has a lot of plasticity and amorphous shape and uh, a lot of, like overblown movement and stuff like that. It's the teeth. It's the gnarly eyes. It's the big, ridiculous tongue. It's the outrageous muscles. So for this book to be extreme, I dig it. It makes sense because it's symbiote madness. Um, But what I'm disappointed in is that, you know, I'm coming from having read Silver Surfer Black, which was psychedelic and cerebral. And that's what I really hoped they would try to bring into this, but they really didn't do that at all. I mean, this isn't like the cross-title promotional events that we're used to, like, you know, Civil War or Secret Invasion, where it's got to have that super crisp, ultra-high quality because it's like the summer event. This, This is, you know, it's a winter event. They're even touting a bunch of the uh tangential storylines as being christmas themed uh like this is coming out at christmas and they're they're like going to play that in somehow because of its release schedule um and uh, which is weird because they're on track if that's what makes sense when we were looking at comics earlier this year we were like yeah maybe not so much stuff is coming out right now because you can't go to a comic book store or because maybe there aren't enough employees uh, at diamond or printing or whatever and it's like, how are we gonna get our stuff? Um, you know, this this is in some kind of a schedule now, if these are all released properly. Uh and um what I what I'm getting at looking at the story, I mean, it's all very heavily like Eddie Brock is the star of the circumstances in a book that features, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, a variety of other characters who just stand there and don't have any lines, don't have any dialogue, like She-Hulk is there and then the X-Men show up and don't have any lines except for Charles Xavier, who's like beaming thoughts right to people. Um, and then Null shows up and there's all of these dragon symbionts. And I'm like, I'm, I'm totally lost. Clearly, I've got to have been reading Venom, which we have reviewed. So I've, vague, I've got a vague idea. Uh, I've got to have been reading Venom and other symbiote related comics for like the last year to really know what's happening here. And, uh, you know, picking up Silver Surfer Black on a whim and being unbelievable, just surprised and and uh, just, you know, just bowled over by how good that was. Like, I got those in single issues and I'm like, I'm going to keep these single issues and maybe I'm going to buy the trade because I want to reread the trade Uh, and I want to get it without advertisements and stuff like that. That's how good that was i want to experience that differently like getting the trade of silver surfer black would be like buying an album i've listened to a million times on vinyl because i want to listen to it on a different format like but this is not that this is okay it's eddie brock it's venom it's characters you're familiar with it's everybody's fighting this situation but no nothing makes any sense nothing is happening like all of these symbionts are showing up, and they're like webbing the world over, or something like that. And I'm going, is this a power they've got? What happened to that great moment in Guardians of the Galaxy when Flash Thompson had the Venom symbiote, and they went to the symbiote planet, and they that was and the symbiotes they, and the symbiots were like, hey, oh, your symbiote is broken. Let's let's heal it. And then it's like, whoop, okay, it's still scary, it's still gigantic, but it's not crazy any longer. I was like, that That was, like, I thought the touchstone for Venom stuff for the next 15 years. That's what I was hoping for. And, yeah, it was, like, three or four years ago. But, no, not some random, apparently some random, like, issue, I don't know what it was, issue 17 of whatever writing team of Guardians of the Galaxy, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, they're not going to let that be the big deal that, that redefines the Venom symbiote. Uh, I was surprised that Venom was like the symbiote was talking to Eddie. I don't remember that ever happening in the nineties. And like, uh, that's the whole thing. Is like Venom is just not what I think it is anymore. And or, or I can want live it to with be that. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. You know, honestly, it's never been something that I want to go to. And no, I'm hoping is something that is this gigantic you know, God Slayer or God Butcher or something that we've been doing in Thor lately. Something that is unbelievably powerful. And yes, it is. But this has all the earmarks of the typical cross-title promotional event where everybody's like, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. What are you doing? Uh, ooh, ah. Uh. And like, everything's freaking out for like three or four issues. And then finally somebody figures something out and finally someone shows up and saves the day. And like, that's kind of really tra- pull- The sentry shows up, and they're like, oh, yeah, we got the big guy. And then the next page, blah, blah, blah. Where's the big guy? And then the next page, it's like, how's the big guy coming? And it's like, what are you guys, like, you got to do that for three or four pages? I guess that's the reveal, and the sentry shows up, delivers a solid punch, Null takes notice, and is like, okay, no, but, you know, I can defeat you because I can release the void. It's like, at this point, the sentry is useless. The sentry is going to show up and... Tear carnage in half. The Sentry is gonna knock Stilt Man's legs out from under him. The Sentry is gonna show up and kill Thor, or not kill Thor. Like Thor is gonna show up and kill the Sentry. Asgard. <clears throat> yeah, like the Sentry is good against lesser beings, and if if you're trying to prove that Null is is the superior quotient to the to these circumstances, then blah blah blah. It's the same thing. It's Ultron, uh, it's age of Ultron again. It's okay. Yeah. How are we going to figure this out? How are we going to fix this? How long is it going to take blah, blah, blah. And this is all going to happen in two or three days. The release schedule is going to put it out through December and maybe into January and there'll be an aftermath and whatever. That's none of it's going to make any difference. Like, I just, I just don't feel like this is going to go anywhere. I'm not saying, you know, if you're into it, not to buy it. Cause clearly every book given this, uh, given this gigantic list, at the back, is is pertaining to this. And uh, what one thing I do appreciate, though, is at the back there is a a two-page spread. I don't know if you guys can see this. Oh, wow. But uh, that it's like, here's the history of symbiotes and what Null was doing throughout time. And obviously he is an immortal character that we have never really seen or played with. And I'm just like... We've been leading up to this for so long, and this is what we're doing. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna read the seven dollar null title and see if that sheds any light on anything or makes this feel more valuable. But I don't need to spend. I don't want to spend like sixty, eighty dollars across from so many books to to get this. You know, it's like I I, I don't know I don't, I don't know what to compare it to necessarily. In, like, regular, like, televised media or anything. Short it almost time. sounds like Three Jokers. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even really know that much about that.
1: But Yeah, like, it just kind of, like, it was so long to set up for it. And then when you read it, it was like, oh, it's just kind of everything goes back to the status quo at the end.
2: I don't like, need it was that, Like, kind of like,
1: this should be mind altering stuff.
2: We've got gigantic problems happening in Marvel Comics every year, a couple of times a year. And it's like, this is the first time that Eddie Brock has ever been the focal point And his kid. And, like, the villain is coming for them. Like, for whatever. That's fascinating. That's amazing. Like, that needs to be the through line. That Eddie Brock, if, if, if the thing that changes everything at the end of this is that Eddie Brock is an A-lister in everyone, even Spider-Man, everybody, even Mary Jane who had a major problem with them from way back in Amazing Spider-Man 300, uh, is like, hey, you know what? Way to go. You saved the day. You saved the world. You're a real guy. None of us are ever going to look at you any differently. It, like, all of your stuff, all your sins are gone, man. You did it. Like, That's what I want out of this. If that's as much as it takes, but I'm not spending 80 bucks on all of these books to figure that out. Because that's just like going to comic-con and not having to wade through like every panel discussion that's going to show up on the internet you know at eight o'clock that night right just blah 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 there it is i'm I'm hoping that's the direction whether somebody has symbiotes or not at the end of this or if every symbiote is dead or maybe a symbiote sproutling is all that's left and they can be like no we can restart the entire i don't know i have no idea what's going to happen with that but like I don't know. I'm going to read the Null book that I haven't got to read yet. And hopefully that makes me feel more appealing, appealed. I don't know if I'm saying things right towards this, but that's kind of where I am with it. Uh, yeah, it's just it's this, the, the thing being every advertisement in this book, there's an M&M's advertisement. There's an ad for uh, a Punisher watch. There's, an ad, there's, there's the same Lego ads, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like I saw that. Yeah, the same Lego ads that have been showing up in every Marvel book lately. But all of the other ads in this were advertisements for the number one issues of new storylines. Children of the Atom and whatever. And I'm like, this is an advertising opportunity for other books that are never going to matter. And that that also, I'm like, hey guys, if that's what you got to do, that's fine. But like, it just felt like, okay, well, I don't know if that, I don't know if I care on that end. Like the the thing that the thing I as
0: as a McFarlane uh, connoisseur that
2: <laughs>
0: that drives me nuts about Venom is okay. Donny Cates is doing a decent job. Now he had, on Venom, everything else he's doing, he's uh, masterful. And yeah. I was watching an interview with uh, Todd McFarlane on some random podcast, and they're asking him about how he felt about Venom in Spider Man Three, and he was like, "Well, he didn't he didn't shit on it, but he's like, well, uh, I made Venom to be big. Like he needed to be big. He needed to be vicious. He needed to have a giant chip on his shoulder, something that like was uh, like a a, a, a foothold that was never going to go away. And with Venom, they took him." from the mid-90s after McFarlane, uh, you know, deuced out and said, fuck you guys, I'm going to go do Spawn and make Image Comics, I'm going to make my own money, is that they made him that extreme character because they could. I mean, they, they, they put that, that like, they, they ruined the subtlety. Uh, r- r- recall uh, Spider-Man number uh, 299 when Mary Jane gets home and uh, she sees Spider-Man, you know, in classic black costume and uh he's not talking honey honey and then a mouth grew on his fa- on his face
2: oh thank you for setting me straight cuz i thought that was in 300 but if it's 298 that's what i was and referencing and then and I'm
0: then the then she flipped the lights on and then you see full <laughs> venom as like huge bulky bodybuilder honey i'm home and uh tony did you ever read those i believe so yeah um admit it though it it and then, of course, Spider Man three hundred starts off with it. You know, you open the cover, and he, Mary Jane is cowering in the corner because Venom just left. He just scared her and left. He just was there to terrify her. It, the subtlety, like when we talk about Albert Hitchcock, uh, as opposed to Saw, where you see people get just torture porn, and then but you see, you see the the nitty gritty, the things that really matter. And I think the only time anyone has really hit the mark since McFarlane's left is other than mark bagley when they brought uh when they brought carnage in, mm-hmm. was uh adi shankar that adi shankar fan film uh tr- venom oh, right venom truth and journalism uh uh tony have you ever seen any of the adi shankar fan films on youtube okay. there you are i lost you guys for a 2nd do you ever see any of those movies? Uh, they're like usually 10, 15 minutes long on YouTube.
1: What was the Punisher one you were telling me about? Was that one of them?
0: Yeah, that was, a, that, yeah, that was an Anishakar one. That's yeah, the only sure. one
1: I've seen then.
0: There was one that he did uh, after that called Venom, Truth, and Journalism, and it was masterful. It was based on a French film. But it told the the True Blue story. I had Ryan Quainton from who played who played Sookie's uh, brother from True Blood as uh, Eddie oh, yeah. Brock. I,
1: I saw the first couple seasons of that. Yeah, yeah. He,
0: he played Eddie Brock, and he hired this team of French filmmakers to follow him and on his he was he was pretending to be a, a journalist and also a cop, and he had them film his adventures. But he would disappear for a second, and then they'd look around a corner when they heard a crime being. You know, committed, and they look and they see the, some people getting like beaten up for a second, and all of a sudden, like uh, the the bad guys hanging from webs, like with his throat slit open, like you know, hundred yards away, dangling from somewhere, and
2: he trying to blame Spidey for that.
0: No, he wasn't blaming Spidey for anything. It was just it, he was trying to make a name for himself as Venom. But at the same time, really? though, they didn't they didn't get away from the original story of why Venom was so angry at Parker. Uh, the the sin eater thing the sin eater debacle uh, about how uh, Eddie had did the story on uh, Emil Emil something uh, I, I, Emil was Gordon? it Blonsky no Blonsky's the abomination it's Emil something yeah. he was yeah. he was a pathological liar that had enough knowledge of who the sin eater was to confess and then of course Parker caught the real the real sin eater it was it was one of the cops and the, you know that you know just reappeared now in pages of spider-man but it ruined him and he like oh that's, they're walking past a church and like oh that's, what a beautiful church and and, and uh <laughs> eddie's like yeah a lot of shit happened there
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right a yeah.
0: lot of shit happened there and uh they they're they're feeling something's wrong and the the, the, the film crew they they go to his apartment and like listen like we're out of money and uh we appreciate you wanting to give us more money and um He's just like, oh, no you no problem, guys. No problem at all. By the way, have I shown you the rest of my apartment? And, like, his, his main apartment, like, like the, the one room they're in, he's got, like, LPs on the wall, and they go in the back room, and it's exactly the personification from 299 or, and, and 298 of watching Venom. Uh, it's just this one room filled with uh, clips of Spider-Man stories on the wall and just a, a weight bench, and they go in the room, and he's like, yeah, and they're, they're kind of freaked out, there's just a mattress in the, on the floor, and um, listen, um, in, 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 I'm really uh, just uh, shortening here, and he, he locks the door, he's like, you had the idea that, you know, you really shouldn't have come back here, but you wanted to be polite, locks the door, you want to see something cool? <laughs> He just he regurgitates instead of the it coming out of his like skin, he regurgitates the, the symbiote like this like like mm-hmm. like throwing mm-hmm. up epicac. And um immediately huge and he just starts crushing the skulls of these guys. And that was true blue venom. The, the the giant mouth with the giant tongue and all the spit and the the giant claws. I mean that really just took it to a like like when someone makes you this over fancy like fucking meal and you're like I don't need this, I just want steak and potatoes. Like you, you just you yeah it. yeah. Y you, you, you ruined it. And I don't know, that that's that it, it reminded me of that. Now I, I want to see Venom go back to that and the more they over fantasticize him or if that's a fucking word, um I
2: you know, like that. No, that's a good concept. Over fantasticize him perhaps.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and they're they're going on all these different levels with Dylan his son and now he can he just came back from this alternate reality after fighting the maker and uh Dylan is basically like he's the I'm not liking it. <laughs> like, I, I'm not liking it. Like like no more. It, it's it's too much spice. Like this this is uh overcooked. Yeah, I think I, that's
2: I my get complaint. That. It,
0: it, it's it's mean, overcooked.
2: Uh, most most of the stuff is most of the stuff in Marvel Comics, it's like, okay, I mean We don't need Captain America to go into space and do space stuff. We don't need Tony Stark to go and do space stuff. We don't need... I mean, the symbiote being from space has always been a thing. And the idea that there's a symbiote god, fascinating. Okay, but it could just as easily have been, like, the gross total accumulation of every symbiote in their species or something. But... I just I don't know. Like I say, it's it's uh you know it's whatever. I I think that when Donny Cates is writing Venom and writing whatever he's been doing, it's like, hey, this is a confined thing that makes sense and it is plausible uh, as much as you can be with Venom and Carnage and anti-venoms or whatever the hell's going on. But like uh when it comes to the idea where you're like, okay, we're going to do this big thing and we're going to advertise it for months in advance and we're doing all of this null is coming stuff like over and over and over again on every every book. Then when you get there, it turns into this thing where it's like how many other editors have to get involved? How many other people have uh, a pitch that goes along with this thing? And how much creator control is there really under these circumstances so i don't know man i mean we'll see where it goes you know what what else can we do it's it's going to dominate things for at least a month so you mentioned captain america
0: you mentioned captain america a minute ago i heard a really good captain america joke today uh name me a uh, name me any character in the marvel universe that can defeat captain america anyone no one can beat him
2: i can captain vietnam (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna say that Captain Vietnam did not beat be Captain America, at least in the Ultimate Universe, because I specifically remember when Ultimate Cap was sent to fight and deal with the Captain America of Vietnam, who happened to be Nuke. And um, uh, he, I thought, I thought, like, I thought, like, dude, it's over. There's no way he can survive this. There's no way. I remember reading one of those issues and just being like. Uh, You know, hey, if they could kill they Captain America and the Ultimate You, whatever, and then like somehow he escaped and what, and that was it. And I was like, oh, okay, it's because Captain America's superpower is being right all of the time. So if Nuke is wrong, then obviously he can survive this situation. It's just, it's cosmic. Man, you guys are making
0: you guys are making me feel like the the comics I picked are whack this week. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like they're whack. Nothing is more whack than the shit that I'm I'm throwing out there. Besides, we three so far. So what none, have, what have you got? None, none of it you said is whack.
0: You've got great meat and potatoes, man. Like, is that the
2: official minefields meal, guys? Meat and
1: potatoes. Oh yeah, that's no, gonna like be to the cover for this uh, this week's show.
2: Minefields.
1: No
0: meat no.
2: and potatoes. Steak and potatoes. Let's
0: yeah. let's do that. Okay, before, like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off just real quick. My favorite way to eat steak: medium rare. Uh... Portobello mushrooms sautéed with in balsamic vinegar to dip my uh, fucking medium rare steak into with a potato just covered in butter and chives and sour cream. Mm. Colin,
2: my favorite way to eat steak. Yeah, uh, I like a good medium rare steak with uh, maybe a slab of chicken chicken breast next to it. Probably some barbecue sauce I don't care if I have steak sauce or not I do like I like I just I love a1 I love Heinz 57 I don't know if it's like just totally normal um, I like steak fries I like waffle fries I want some some fries to go along with it since I've since I have not been you know living and looking at with and looking after my mom and now she's living with my brother and sister-in-law I've made more steaks at home. And more but you know I was like, okay, well I'm gonna do I'm working out, so I wanted the protein. So like doing that and then uh making my own potatoes and whatever. Uh uh and now I'm really getting into all the little red potatoes and whatever. I just you know, steak 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 and eggs for breakfast. Oh my god, I had the best steak and eggs for breakfast two yes. or three days ago. Freaking great.
1: What do you got, Tony? Um see man, I'm gonna go with medium probably medium rare as well. Uh definitely some uh some potato some definitely want some definitely want a baked potato. But definitely want to put on the steak some uh onions. Yes sir. Some freaking uh mushrooms. Uh definitely some A one on there. Um uh, see. I I just like a regular baked potato, nothing on it. You know, not really not really too much into the butter. Definitely I'm not a big fan of sour cream. Um Maybe, maybe throw some fries on there. Maybe I'm a, I'm a crinkle fry man myself. I love crinkle fries. I yeah,
2: nice
0: love crinkle fries. I say, I say we land on a tomahawk steak, mid-rare, reverse-seared, with the baked potato what? and extra random fries that we have on the side. <laughs> random a, fries. With, with a shitload random of dipping fries.
2: sauce.
0: <laughs> well, what, what I... Speaking of eating humans, uh, <laughs> uh, Nailbiter Returns number seven. Um, the original Nailbiter run was really play. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one got really psychedelic. So basically the, the, what's go- the meat and potatoes of the story is that there is a specific small little town in Midwest, bumfuck nowhere, that is responsible for more serial killers uh, in the world than there are in the world. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Nailbiter was one of them. He basically he'd chew your fingernails off, and then he'd murder you or eat you. And Ugh. at the end hmm. of
2: the
0: at the end of the last story, they the town was burned to the ground, and uh, we don't know what happened to Nailbiter. What happened now is that the original uh, all, all of these guys were like a Batman's like Rogues Gallery, like the blonde or the librarian. They had some ridiculous serial killer gimmick, and all of these people like had,
2: the villains and the Tick, perhaps. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. And uh, they they've all been they've all been killed off and mentioned that they were dead in the original uh, Nailbiter storyline. But now somehow they're back and they're playing some weird morbid game. And Alice, who is the uh, Nailbiter's uh, daughter, is involved because they find out that Nailbiter is not dead. The original cop that was investigating everything actually had Nailbiter locked in a uh, Bruce Banner-esque like bunker, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they, he couldn't get out, and uh, there's copycat murders, and they get brought back to this uh, the original town, and they get to the there's a fake nail biter that looks just like identically like him, and it has everything to do with uh, nail biter and Alice's mom's uh, high school love and the, their their game the 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 the, 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 the city the, the the small town is called Buckaroo. And uh, the the Buckaroo Murders, and they would have like betting games on it while they were while these murders were happening, while it was you know still fresh. And they go into the forest, and blood is dripping, raining down on them that has some sort of drug in them. And I got really kind of turned off immediately by it because I there's psychedelic stories kind of like just kind of don't hit the mark on me. Like I, I just don't dig it. I mean, like Tony, like if you, Tony, if I told you you had to like take a- acid or mushrooms to enjoy
1: something, would you give a shit about it? Yeah, no, not a, not, a, not, a, never been into too many drugs, so yeah, no, not my bag. Colin, if I had to tell you you had
0: to smoke a shitload of weed to enjoy this, would you give a shit about it? I
2: would. I, not only would I not give a shit about it. I mean, there's just no, there's no. I don't mind. I don't mind comics or stories or finished artwork where we as the viewer need to finish it with our minds but i don't want to i mean it's not like you know you packaged it with 3d glasses or something like that correct you know get your scan this thing and get a digital you get the full picture by having a digital thing or whatever and no I don't, i'm not into that stuff
0: well i, I got past it and uh mm-hmm. they're, they're about to land and hopefully something something really good the original nail, but Nailbiter story is one of those like if you didn't get it when it first came out that day, you're never gonna get the first issue uh, out of Image. Oh, but you yeah. know, there's always those uh, Image hounds out there that just buy every Image number one just in case it's the fucking Walking Dead. And this is this was one of them. Uh, this was one of them. Yeah. So, but the story's been good so far. I, the, but the psychedelic part it definitely made it hard for me to like get to the end. I don't know. Like I said, this the like I said, wax story. I mean, you guys were able to get really far into this one. I, I guess I just, I guess I just it's wasn't black. very. I guess <laughs> I wasn't as I wasn't as inspired as you guys were through the comics I read this week, other than uh, X Men. But uh, I don't even know if I want to really want to get an X Men yet because I think I want to reread. Uh, I think I really want to reread X Swords before I even talk about it again.
2: Interesting. Yeah. I went back and, dude, when I got back uh, from, uh, I went and I bought a bunch of short boxes because I have all my long boxes that I'm going to have to move soon. And I was like, dude, i got to repackage these. It's just too heavy to move all these long boxes up and down stairs and whatever. So I did a lot of repackaging, and I only got halfway through it maybe, maybe a third, honestly. So I had some short boxes I brought back to my place here in Tulsa, and I started, you know, like, okay, i got books stacked up hidden in this hutch here or whatever, and so I re- I you know I bagged and boarded everything properly. The stuff that hadn't been and taped everything shut and all this stuff. I could, I was like, oh yeah, I went back. I have, I have uh, powers of X and and uh, like the beginning of that entire business. And I'm just going like, why, why am I worried about this? Like ultimately, this is going to come out in trade, and that's when I'm going to read that. I don't know. Like there's just so much stuff where buying single issues makes some sense and other places, not so much. Like. I, I'm reading every issue of Daredevil. I got to get it, you know. I'm not waiting for that in trade. But I found a bunch of copies of Scarlet by Bendis and Malieve in my Ooh. stuff. And I was like, take that home. Make sure I've got this because I want to know if I've got this and I've got that. And you couldn't get a number one of the new issues or the new stories. I'll, I'll talk about that another time. I didn't get the September. What do you got first, us, brother?
1: Alrighty, now I'm looking at a uh, deceased, dead planet, six of seven. Man, you're loving this, this one's one, kind of, dude. Like I, I mean, like we were talking earlier. I'm a big Elseworlds fan, anyway. But like this whole, the whole deceased series has just kind of been really awesome for me personally. You know, like it's been interesting because like a couple issues ago, they actually talked about how a uh, dark side is coming. But he's completely not only undead. Like when they started the disease, Darkseid—it was basically Darkseid that did it on accident, because he was infecting Cyborg with the Anti-Life Equation. Right. And between Cyborg and the Anti-Life Equation itself is what made the disease, and what also transported the disease, because it all transported over um, over phones, over uh, TV screens, over computer screens. So that's that's why Darkseid's the entire reason that the disease exists so we're just kind of waiting and we're waiting for like two issues for dark side to finally get um back to planet earth
0: and is that what is so happened?
1: basically uh, we haven't we haven't hit it yet so i'm i'm, I'm interested because for like i said it happened he came he he came to new genesis and then like we haven't seen him yet but on top of that, you know, we also have a we have a two opposing forces right now. We've got the um, a bunch of the rich bad guys, you know, like a uh, penguin and Doctor Ivo among others. Maxwell Lord was a part of this as well, but he actually got killed by a swamp thing. Um, but they're 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 in a bunker. They're in a bunker in Australia, and they've bas- Doctor Ivo basically created an army of Amazos. To take care of all the infected, just wipe them out. Now, at the exact same time that we're, you know, they're talking about wiping out all the undead, you know, the good guys, the, the basically the current Justice League. We got Damian Wayne, Batman, Jonathan Kent, Superman, Cyborg, uh, Swamp Thing, and basically all the heroes that are left um, are f- find out that they actually that they figure out how to use the cure that's inside cyborg.
0: Mm, that's
1: so that awesome. was, they found the cure itself, they were able to test it. But they um, when they came, like, we need someone to test it on, and um, Black Canary, who's now Green Lantern, Wonderful. the first person she said, we tested on Ollie, because Ollie got infected by Wonder Woman. But uh, Mr. Miracle, who we found out is still alive, um, said, no, we have to test it on Big Barda but not because he's in love with Barda, but because Barda is basically a god and she's strong enough if something goes wrong um, with the cure, she might be able to... She has a better chance of survival than Ollie does. Makes sense. So they end up, yeah, they end up testing it on Barda and it ends up working. So they have, they have the cure and between Cyborg and Kid Flash... Who goes and reads basically every book he can find at a local library about mass production? They are able to start mass producing the cure. They couldn't. So we got you know that happened, and literally at the exact same time, Amazos are being released to kill everybody.
2: They what couldn't... is an Amazo? I'm totally lost on that.
1: Amazo is a is a robot that basically has the, the um, superhuman qualities and focusing around the Justice League. You know, he, uh-huh. they, they're basically robot Supermans. Okay. So on top of that, Constantine is also out here trying to collect several items, uh, several items of magical properties for a brilliant scheme he's working on.
0: My favorite. While
1: he's aligned with the good guys, he's also Constantine and he's doing his own thing. Uh, as always. So, yeah, exactly. So he's able to grab, let's um, see here, he's got a wizard staff, Madam Xanadu's crystal ball, ball, Ragman's cloak, and the spear of destiny. So he's trying to grab as much stuff as he can while at the same time trying to hide everything from Zatanna only because he knows Zatanna is going to try to talk him out of this. And Zatanna is the only person on the planet that he doesn't want to disappoint. So he, oh. if anyone's going to talk him out of this, it's going to be Zatanna. I love Zatanna. Yeah, freaking their whole relationship always just kind of fascinates me. You, you know it's, it's never going to work, but they always want it to work.
0: That was, like, one of my favorite. So favorites. they're
1: going at it. No, they're tired. They're a treat.
0: No, sorry. Oh, but sorry, I, I get excited. I apologize. Like, no, man, no, you're good, dude. That, you're that's good. That's a plane flying over. I live on uh east side. Planes always fly over. Landing on landing, uh, Peterson and uh, in, uh, in, uh <laughs> Springs Airport. Close. Ah. I, I I only started noticing it because you all started pointing it out. Because, like, I grew up on the Air Force bases, so it
1: was just always a thing. <laughs> it's just what it was, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry man, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: Oh no, you're good, dude. But uh on top of the on top of the you know raging zombies or raging superhuman zombies and the oncoming dark side, which our heroes still don't know about, Trigon shows up. Dude, I have no idea who that is. And Trigon is. is basically a demon from hell. Trigon, Trigon's actually Raven from Teen Titans' father. Oh, oh, wonderful. And basically a demon from hell. So we've got we've basically got Satan walking around out here. We've got Dark Side coming. We've got zombies, both your regular, you know, normal run of the mill zombies, as well as superhuman zombies. And we're trying to nail all these things down and save the world. And like I said, it's elsewhere, so you don't know if they're going to save the world or if they're screwed. Which, like I said, is my personal favorite part.
0: That is a great point of view because, like, and if it's in canon, they have to. Maybe yeah, you're maybe... Good maybe Batman one or two going to win. One or two guys might die and they'll be back in a year, but in elseworld's mm-hmm. like it's uh it's over.
1: All's fair game. You know, like I said, the first issue of this they freaking turn Batman into a fucking zombie. <clears throat>
2: so
1: but we got uh we got Constantine, we got Zatanna, we've got Jason Blood, and we've got the Phantom Stranger, and they're all talking to um Dr. Fate. And then out of nowhere, Phantom Stranger just stabs the Spear of Destiny through Doctor Fate. And freaking Constantine walks up and they're all like, hey, you can't take my helmet off. He's like, I can't. Or can I? And then he just yells Shazam. And apparently Constantine has the powers of Shazam on top of everything (laughs) else he grabbed. Wow. All of them? He's able to take the helmet. All of them?
0: Or just Shazam Shazam?
1: Uh, it Just says Shazam. Like, wow. They don't explain it. So We don't know what he does or doesn't have the powers of. I but I, I would think he's got the powers of Judge, at least Billy Batson. Wow, that that, but,
0: that that's you know, such that's such, a, that's such a big deal. That like there, if, if he did that, then they better fucking do and like a side issue that I would just be like absolutely have to have of proving mm-hmm. that he's a champion, John Constantine yeah, proving he, himself he's only, a champion.
1: Um, Yeah, the only member of the Shazam family that we know for a fact is still alive and not zombified is Mary Marvel. Mm, But yeah, the comic book ends with Shazam or freaking Constantine flying off with all these mystical objects and freaking Dr. Fate's helmet. But the thing is, we still don't really know where. All John says he's coming to save the world. I don't know. You know, it doesn't say if he's going after Darkseid, or if he even knows about Darkseid, or if he's going after Trigon, or if he's just going to mass wipe out or fix the zombies. We don't really know because it's freaking Constantine, and he, you know, he could be doing whatever. He just thinks he's saving the world somehow. <laughs> so it's just going to final issue coming up. How are they going to get all these pieces together and make everything work?
0: Johnny saving the
1: world, or save it for like a fourth part. Like especially with like the Dark Side thing, if they're just gonna like the entire fourth season or fourth freaking set of comics is just gonna be them going after freaking a zombified Dark Side.
0: Oh, I dig it. All right, I'm, I'm gonna have to pick it up and trade. Even though you, you told me everything, this sounds fucking juicy, man. Juicy, dude. Juicy.
1: It's it's freaking good. Like every time you get we get so far, they just kind of you know throw like a curveball at you. So it's always, it's it's freaking, like I said, I've loved all, I've got all three parts of this. I haven't gotten the one online yet, but uh, I think that's at World's End. Mm. But, but that's how, in between this one and the previous one, in between this one and Unkillables. Are you, are you pretty schooled on Shazam? I'm not. Like, I freaking, I want to get into it, because freaking, I do, I love the movies, probably my top five superhero movies, it's, I'd say. It's my Zachary favorite. Zachary
2: Levi is, filming a movie in oklahoma right now and uh it's probably too much to say but since i haven't signed any ndas on it yet he's in the movie <clears throat> i'm working on in january oh nice <clears throat> yeah i'm gonna need a uh, signed cape uh <laughs> <laughs> gonna... shazam Yes. I never thought they'd make a movie about a guy who could just figure out what music you were listening to. I didn't think that was an appreciable superpower. And I thought it was really too recent of a thing, too. But like, I guess he's got a cell phone in his ass or something. I just don't understand it. Wow. <laughs> I
1: like I said, I'm not, I've never really been into the character, but freaking watching the movie, I was like, oh. I thought it was it was, it was good. It was really good. I mean, I liked it anyway.
0: mm. This is why we needed a DC guy, man.
2: Like we're turning. I, that, I, I never said we didn't. <laughs> well,
0: I, I agree, man. This is this is we're turning into reservoir dogs here, man. Like, obviously, I'm Mister Blonde. <laughs> now, uh, dude, you, your your knowledge, I Colin. Mister Bracini. Yeah. Well, oh, you, you. But you're not Mister Faggot. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh well, that's what he said, man. I'm just simply quoting the movie. Obviously. We've been canceled three or four times in the past month. It's gonna be okay again.
2: <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched that movie in so long. I don't even know what. Uh, I don't remember any of the lines from it. And
0: I've had a, I've had a few little bits of Cavalli, and I'm getting all mushy. And like, we're we're four in Reservoir Dogs. We have got our DC guy, our wrestling trainer. I'm yeah.
2: the,
0: I'm the X Men expert.
2: I'm the token white guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. uh, dude, Colin Tony. Colin's knowledge of fucking, like, 70s, like, juiciness out of Marvel. All the cosmic shit, all the psychedelic everything. I think
1: you were say 70s erotica. That's <laughs> where I thought it was going. <laughs> I was like, like I said, we need to, that's minefields after dark, brother. Minefields mine after, after, yeah, mine okay. after dark. Okay.
2: after uh, dark. That's the after show. That has to happen.
0: That That has to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I, if we're gonna do minefields after dark, I say we do a Mystery Science Three Thousand style. We watch Toxic Avenger. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: Toxic Avenger, didn't we? Uh, what was the next show we were gonna? We talked about it recently. Like, like I, I wouldn't mind doing a, uh, doing a, um, uh, uh, commentary track. We haven't done a commentary track on anything in a while since Rambo, First Blood Part Two, um. Like, there's got to be something hilarious, like, yeah, I mean, there's got to be something hilarious or weird that we should definitely do commentary tracks on coming up. Uh, there's so much stuff out there. Roger yeah, is anyway.
0: Fantastic Four.
2: Oh, God, that is so <laughs> awful. Awesome. Awful, except Jay Underwood was in it. He was okay. Jay Underwood. I, I, I still haven't seen Stick. I need to. I, I have not seen it either. I got to at least say it once. Ugh. Yeah, one day, one day. Or maybe we just watch it and we lamb blast it. I don't know. Or maybe we watch it and we uh, talk about what we love about the FF and whether or not it's any good. I guess Michael, Michael, Michael Jordan is phenomenal in everything, so I'm yeah, sure he's, he's awesome he's, in yeah. that too. And uh, he's apparently People's
0: Sexiest Man Alive, there's,
2: 2020.
0: There's one movie I hated him in. Yeah? Hardball.
2: Hardball. G- Haven't seen it. Keanu Reeves I never heard of
0: it. coaching inner city baseball. If it wasn't what? for him, if it wasn't for him, G Baby never would have died. And that, like, <laughs> the, if you
1: watch the do love me some G Baby.
2: <laughs> what are you talking about at all? The,
0: no, it's no, He's going more in minefields after dark. God damn it, bad Tony, bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> Jeez... <laughs>
1: All I, right, just wanna, I just want to say, G baby. <laughs> right,
2: let's stick with the program. Let's
0: stick what with the program. Give, stick let's with give the program. All right, so tell us why U.S. agent. Like, can you fill us in on old school U.S. agent before we do that, Colin?
2: I'm gonna have a hard time with it, but I am gonna try to explain this. This is you, John Walker, U.S. agent well,
0: uh while number you're, one. While you're doing that, I'm gonna go to my archives and pull up my uh, trading cards and.
2: Get some bios on that. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. See, the only the only reason I picked this up was because years and years ago, I tried to make an all-Captain America Clicks theme team. And every Captain America that I was playing was just not really making the grade. And uh, for some reason, the John Walker Captain America that I had that was... Yeah, no, dude, that's awesome. He's got his, uh, he's got his uh, Wolverine Team Blue Marvel binder full of the uh, what 1992, 93, 94 Marvel cards. I've got Marvel series one
0: through four, X Men, yeah. X Men one through four, and some randos. Mm-hmm. But so we're doing. You keep talking. Let me let me find okay, you this. Okay, so. Agent. The, the, the only reason I got excited
2: him. about this was because I remember having a really good run of using that particular U.S. agent. It was John Walker, Captain America. He wasn't the U.S. agent in that iteration, so whatever. But like, I just I was like, okay, cool, I like that. I like that guy. He's crass. He was, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm pulling this out of nowhere... A, uh, <clears throat> he was the Captain America on maybe the West Coast Avengers or maybe the Great yeah. Lakes Avengers. or West Coast. Um, So, yeah, okay, cool. So, like, I mean, he is not Captain America. He is a guy with a Captain America-themed costume. He has a shield. Mm-hmm. He was an opportunity for them to do stuff with Captain America, I think, while Steve Rogers was out being Nomad. Uh, when he was no longer Captain America for a while, <laughs> when Cap was like riding around on a motorcycle with longer blonde hair, seeing America, taking care of street level issues and fly over states with a shotgun or some BS, I mean, it was just like, okay, whatever. Got it, but got it, yeah, got him. You got him. Tell us what, tell got us what him. his, what his uh, trading card does for us. Number 35 out of Impels 1991
0: season uh series two superheroes u s agent number thirty five out of the uh out of the lot group affiliation avengers height six four weight two hundred seventy pounds first appearance captain america number three twenty three november nineteen eighty six strength up to four speed to two agility to four stamina to four durability to four Intelligence to two out of seven out of all those. When When Steve Rogers temporarily resigned his role as Captain America, the United States government hired John Walker to adopt that identity. It was at this replacement, Captain America, that Walker survived his true trial by fire, becoming a dedicated foe of evil in his own right. His superiors were so pleased with his performance that when the original Captain America returned, the U.S. government asked Walker to continue the project and serve his country as U.S. agent! Exclamation point. And at the bottom, did you know John Walker began his superhero career under the name of the Super Patriot?
1: I did not know
2: that. Neither did I. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure it makes that much of a matter to this, but... I'm a sucker for stats. (laughs) I like it. What we have in this book is this weird business of these, like, West Virginian coal miners who are living in a town that... Was dismissed because the coal mine was shut down, and uh, the work that they were losing was replaced by this pseudo Amazon.com distribution center that was actually a front for Shield as uh, a pl- as like a storage location for it's not Project Pegasus, it's just this. Uh, I don't know, it's this kind of um, facility where they are manufacturing materials or storing their gear or their munitions or something. And uh, it's called Virago. Um, And of course, SHIELD has folded at some point. I guess that we all decided that the uh, circumstances of Captain America Civil War needed to cross from the MCU into the comic books uh, despite what happened with you know, rejiggering the whole universe with uh, Secret Wars. Mike but, Um Yeah, rejiggering. And um, there's this weird business where there's some kind of documentary team interviewing folks from this town, and they explain something, and then it puts you into a new level of storytelling. And then they pull out because they're like, wait a minute, What? And then it turns out they're interviewing somebody different. And that person's answering the question. So it puts you back into that level from another point of view. It's very hard to keep track of what the hell's going on in this book for, how for you know, like a 26-page book or whatever it is. But then they get down to this business where you've got these, uh, these uh, former S.H.I.E.L.D. guys talking about John Walker. And they're not part of the documentary thing. So it's like, what is the narrative here? Where's the through line? And then while they're talking about it, they're talking about John Walker ordering pizzas from all of these delivery services and then pulling the <laughs> pulling these guys, these delivery boys into his hotel room and storing them there. <laughs> and there's a scene where he's got like 8 or 10 of these kids thrown down the stairs. Because he's expecting one of these pizzas to have a bomb in it, I'm here. and I'm like, I'm here what?
0: for my I'm here for my three a.m. Uh, meeting with Mr. Weinstein.
2: <laughs> 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 it creeped me out reading this because I'm very familiar with Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, and the whole uh, uncomfortable creepiness of the idea that he ordered Chinese food in the Dreamland Motel and in uh, Kansas, in Junction City, Kansas, and so somebody saw him or didn't see him or maybe he eliminated... Some, there's this whole thing about that that I can go on and on about, but I'm not going to go off on that tangent. It just creeped me out because th- because then a, <clears throat> a guy who is Chinese, who is not drawn very Chinese in this <laughs> illustration... They whitewashed, delivers... in the <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> they whitewashed him even in the
0: comics? Huh?
2: They whitewashed
0: him even in the comics.
2: They kind of, I don't know, he just doesn't look uh, necessarily Chinese. This guy shows up, doesn't take any crap from John Walker, and uh, uh, clearly is able to take him in a fight because he throws U.S. agent down the stairs. They get into another fight, this big, nice, like, knockdown drag out for several pages and then they're, like, sitting there eating the pizza together because they have a mutual respect for one another's fighting prowess. But John Walker is coming off kind of a racist. He's coming off kind of a prick. He's kind of got a prejudice, and he's making fun of the guy. And uh, But they sort of team up. And then uh, he throws his shield into a car, and it damages the shield. So it's clearly some BS knockoff shield. But these kids think that he's Captain America, so he's like, yeah, sure, I'll sign the thing. Or, you know what, take my shield. Then they're inexplicably flying away in this like weird knockoff quinjet together. And I'm like, you're, you might be a government agent, but you're just taking some rando civilian with you because you like him or whatever, I don't know. But then they get into a fight, and they're killing some bad guys. And he's having these weird flashbacks of his uh, sister. And... Um, she turns out to be one of the bad guys on the last page to be continued. And I'm like, what the hell did I just read? Like, how much of this craziness is going on in his head? Is this, is this like reading a book about D-Man? Like, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on. But simultaneously, you know, I'm sure it gets cleared up because maybe this picks up and... You know, that's the crazy thing about US Agent or some other wacky dude. At any given point, you can have some book where nothing makes any sense and he could be the next Deadpool. Who the hell knows? dude? I'm more inclined, like, if I was going to say, you know, am I going to keep reading this or am I going to find a copy of Falcon and Winter Soldier? Well, I feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier took off in the same whacked direction, but at least those characters... Having a kind of grinding animosity was way more of an interest. I'd say if I'm going to spend money on something, that's where I'm going to go. But I haven't seen a new issue of that for a while. This guy uh, sucks, so... dude. <laughs> <laughs> this character, yeah, he
1: sounds I, like Captain Douchebag.
2: He's kind of a, yeah, you know, like he does. He doesn't. He's not. In, he's not intelligent. He is uh, following his orders, maybe to the letter, or maybe he. Hates himself, you know. It makes me think of Next Wave by Warren Ellis. I don't know if you guys ever read that. Oh yeah,
0: Mm-mm. I read it. I read it in your spare bedroom when I was crashing at your place for the first time. That was the
2: shit. Yeah, sit the fuck down and read Next Warren Ellis's Next Wave. Sorry it's, for the language. I know I don't do that on the show, but like, dude, for real, sit down. Find the two volumes. It's on of the app. The, that series. Is it on the Marvel app? Yeah, yeah, Tony, it's on the Marvel app, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for local and buy the book, okay? But uh, things being what they are, I'm saying, like, there's a character in that series called the Captain. And he's what is he the captain of? Is he he Captain America? Is he Captain Britain? Is he Captain uh, Omaha? Who the hell knows? And I'm like, it's the same weird business where this guy's got some kind of powers of rigidity and super strength and whatever. But, like... It's the same weirdness where you have all of these kind of like F level characters wandering around in the Marvel universe that occasionally pop up in in a book for some reason, and it's like hopefully it goes somewhere. I don't know. All right,
0: I I found two more cards in my archives. Let me see if I can eliminate these. (laughs) Oh, a T bubble Captain America. This is from let's see, ninety two Impel Marvel set. During the period when the U.S. government stripped Steve Rogers of his position as Captain America, John Walker replaced him. Rogers later regained the right to wear the red, white, and blue garb, and Walker then adopted the guise of U.S. agent. Now an uneasy truce exists between these two heroes as they fight for similar goals despite their different political philosophies, which makes no sense because if you're propagandist, whatever. And then I've got this one. Mmm. Okay. This one is from Skybox's set from 93. U.S. Agent, his stats dramatically stop. Strength 4, Intelligence 2, Fighting Ability 6, Agility 3. Given enhanced strength and speed by the Power Broker. First appearance, Captain America, 327, March 87. Did you know U.S. Agent served for a brief time as the substitute Captain America? Motherfucker. Yeah. and
1: <laughs> I didn't know.
0: That is the worst... <laughs> it's the lamest, like,
2: Worst second fact. edition of a card ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, you know, like, is he a worthy inclusion in anything?
0: Well, Absolutely
2: not. It was like, the 90s, man. Dude, yeah, you're doing, you're doing a card set. Like, there's any number of other more interesting, compelling characters, probably, that they could have made a card out. But because it was timely... And they had to do it. That's why they put this, they put a card out of this character. His... Would, would U.S. Agent be incorporated into anything going on right now? Dude, no. no. It, the, dude, it, and I, I get the answer to that. So this set, the Skybox set, was
0: the every nine cards forms a splash page. And he's uh-huh. included in the bottom right corner of Scarlet Witch, Spider-Woman, Splice, Iron Man, Wonder Man, War Machine, Namor, and Tiger Shark. So no. I do
2: Tiger Shark. Tiger Shark has no business on that. Those guys are all pretty much good guys. None like of these Tiger guys. Shark is
0: none of these guys have any business being on the same page as Namor. They should have just made one big ass Namor page.
2: Uh, you're probably right. Namor is solid. I'm going to say this this about this co- this this book. Um, okay, the, the full title as not presented on the cover of the book. Is John Walker, U.S. agent, American Zealot, chapter one legend? <laughs> American Zealot. The writer is Priest. What the hell is that? Who are you? Are you McG? Do you think you only have one name? Who the hell is Priest? Maybe he really like, likes the police. The police. Or Prince. <laughs> The whack ass know. artist
0: formerly known as John Q. fucking Midwest, who gives a shit.
2: John Midwest. Anyway, alright, yeah, that's what I got for that.
0: What you got, Tony? Hit me up.
2: Alrighty,
1: finishing up my triplets today, I've got Batman 104. Mm. So we've got, uh, it's continuing on about, um... What's his name? I forgot his name now. A Ghostmaker. This was, I got it wrong here I thought...
0: it was a, the petulant child episode of fucking Batman recently
1: <laughs> yeah a little bit but no so he's got a ghost maker here he's got Clown Hunter, Harley and Batman held captive all three of them are sedated um, let's say Batman's sedation is a little less because he wants him to watch what's going to happen at the end of the issue which is always interesting so we ended up talk- and we ended up going to Barbara and freaking Dick and they're over here talking about it. And Barbara asked Dick if he ever heard Batman talk about Ghostmaker. And he's apparently he had one run in with him one time. Um, they were going to another country and Ghostmaker ended up being, being there and Batman gets out. They exchange words Batman gets back to the Batplane, and they leave. And for him, Robin's just like, what's going on? And Batman, all Batman will say is that we have an agreement. He stays out of Gotham, and I stay out of wherever he is. So, and we... Hmm? How old was he? Like,
0: like when uh, Ghostmaker was, like, what, 15 or 16, when he's, like, fucking with uh, Bruce in, in different countries?
1: Yep, they're about 15, 16. Robin looks like he's probably about the same age in the one time he did make meet Ghostmaker. But we actually get a little bit, little bit deeper into the origin story. And it uh, turns out they were actually really good friends for quite a while while they were training together. Because they had, they had a mutual respect and they both wanted um, to become the best crime fighter they could. But the reason they actually stop being friends ends up being that Bruce actually confides in Ghostmaker about um, why he does—he wants to be the best crime fighter. He, he talks about how he wants vengeance for his parents, and how he wants to avenge them. And Ghostmaker turns out and calls him weak. You know, he's not doing in Ghostmaker's mind. This is an art form. He wants to be the best. That's it. You know, he does. Any any other reason to do it other than to be the best makes you pathetic.
0: Now, the, the thing about I like this the most was how they broke it down. When he's like, by the time I got here, I thwarted this. I found these corrupt cops. I did this. I stopped this shipment of fucking guns coming in. What the fuck have you done today? You've been babysitting a bunch of kids. And in between, we get this battle between uh, a Clown Killer, who... uh inadvertently lands in Harley Quinn's new apartment, who she just paid the landlord a ridiculous amount of money to live there. And there's a little knockdown drag out there. And then it, it 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 just comes to this point where Batman has to lay it down. And and this is one of the things I love the most about uh, the storytelling and what they're doing right now after the, the Joker War bullshit. Was the fact that yeah he did all that stuff like yeah I took care of all that like I was when I was on the plane here and he's like listen first off that that shipment of guns I already placed the guns and you probably found a chicken in one of those things so he's like y- yeah and he's like yeah that was me trying to chase uh, chase down the uh, the guys that are trying to ship the guns here and you fucked that up um, the corrupt cops <laughs> we were trying to uh, figure out exactly who they were working for and you fucked that up and um just just the the idea of uh the the upstart and and, and i, I want to bring it to wrestling especially like cuz cause, cuz cause, uh, as a trainer tony you, mm-hmm. you you get those upstarts that like cuz you, you get these upstarts that are like yeah like they're they're ready to do business like the first day of training i'll, I'll do anything and then once yep. you start putting putting the pressure on them like no i don't want to do that
2: mm-hmm.
0: no i don't want to do that like like that's that like all of a sudden that's when the ego shows and mm-hmm. you can't have an ego as batman like it, yeah. you, you just can't have it you have to think five steps in front of your head like we were talking about like uh, racing on the street earlier like you you can't just like slam on the brakes you got to see what's in front of you way ahead and anticipate and and evolve and do better and yep. I, I, I kinda i kind of say it how did you feel when when Batman just broke him mentally? Because like I wanted this guy to be a, a I wanted him to succeed because he was like the Batman v- bad guy that was equivalent of Spawn. Because I love Spawn, I love anti heroes, and then he just just got broken down. Like, like I don't care about this guy anymore.
1: Well, it's two sides of the same coin. How, how do you want to look at it? Are you looking for then? Are you looking for the instant gratification? No. Or are you looking for long term? I'm looking for you know, long term. That's kind of term. where it comes in. You know what's what are you what are you going for? You know, Batman, like you said, is five steps ahead, whereas freaking Ghostmakers over here, boom, done. What well, what's best for it? you know? It's you know it's you know. Do you kill people or do you you know try to get people to rehabilitate? I want long term, you know? man. If you can make somebody, if you can legitimately get somebody, like you know, at the beginning of the Detective Comics run this year, or at the Beginning of Rebirth, you know, we talked, you know, one of the big storylines was Clayface rehabilitating, you know, and he wanted to rehabilitate, you know, but could he, you know, if you can actually get a full turn, like in Harley right now, Harley's another one, you know, is Harley a full-blown anti-hero? Is she a hero? Could she turn back to being a villain at the drop of a hat? You know, it depends on the situation, it seems like.
2: I, f- I feel like no, you're kind of to push your buttons it's the same question like how far is anyone away from having you know you're one bad day away from turning into you know me or whatever i do you know those yeah. characters are compelling they're interesting like give them well, y- you're not gonna you're not gonna change Daredevil. you're not gonna change Peter parker you're not gonna change Superman but like you give them a bad day like let's kill Lois Lane. And see what happens to Superman. Interesting, so he's
0: interdimensional at the moment. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that, and that's
1: another point too. In the middle of both of those, you got Clown Hunter. Like Clown Hunter really intrigues me because you know at the at the base of this character is hero disillusionment because this guy freaking this is a guy that lost his parents. You know, Bruce when Bruce Wayne lost his parents, there was no Batman.
0: No, well,
1: Clown. There was a Batman, and Batman didn't get the job done. You know, whether, you know, obviously he didn't mean to, but at the end of the day, you know, Batman was there and still couldn't save Clown Hunter's parents, so Clown Hunter has to freaking, you know, put on a mask, pick up a bat with a battering in it, and he's got to do things for himself. Well, I'm really interested to see where that's going to go long-term because, you know, Batman knows who he is and freaking... You know, how does Clone Hunter react to that? Because this, this, this is the guy that failed him. Completely.
0: The the thing, yeah. I, I feel like you're talking about two different things at the same time, though. We're talking about redemptive characters here. Uh, earlier, before we started recording uh, on camera, we were talking about one of the best things about uh, wrestling is that there's, you love watching uh, someone get built up. And then... People love watching people get shot down, but even more than that, people love the redemption story. So we've got a few redemption yeah. stories here. We've got Batman after Joker, Joker War. We've got Harley Quinn. Uh, and we've got uh, Clown Killer, who is the... He's not the petulant child, which, even though he's the, the teenager. I mean, like, Harley Quinn just kicked him in the dick as hard as she fucking could. <laughs> yeah. And But at the same time, we've got the idea of the the new character like when you ask me like do I want something long lasting like yeah I I want something long lasting I want something I can like like I I I I want that same feeling I got when I first encountered Bane like Mm -hmm. this guy is this is this is the shit this is gonna this is gonna keep going and you know you know he had a bunch of different iterations whether or not you like the Luchador version from uh, Batman the animated series. Or the the big <laughs> yeah. the, the big dummy from uh, um, the Joel Schumacher under- Robin yeah Batman and Robin yeah. or the uh, calculating killer that already won won the chess game before he, the white made you know moved its first uh, pawn
1: yeah what,
0: what did you get out of it when it, when, it, when did, what do you want I mean like I want something long lasting Colin what do you want out of the out of out of out of uh, wanting something long lasting or something. This is just going to be a guy that's going to show up every ten years, and we're not going to give a shit. Like like fucking uh, uh, Mad Balls or. Uh, oh no,
2: dude! That's it. if somebody's going to show up every ten years, and nobody gets to do anything with them. Th- that's the thing. Like we were talking about that Finn Balor match earlier. Uh, Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. You know, you got two guys that came out of New Japan. You got two guys that uh, what were in Ring of Honor. You got two guys that had never been matched up in WWE before. And when they pull out Finn Balor for AJ Styles, it's going to be the Demon, and the Demon has never lost. And I'm like, okay, you've got that knowing it's going to come in. And I thought about that the entire time. If the Demon has never lost, well, he's not going to lose this match. But how often do you pull that out for that kind of fun? This is and then. This is a perfect
0: parallel because, Tony, yeah. Tony and, and, and you know that the Demon's never lost, but when was the last time they brought the Demon back? In fact, the Demon hasn't been around for, like, two years. Yeah. it's, he's it's in
2: NXT now. No, yeah.
1: no,
0: no, no. I'm talking about the Demon. I'm talking
1: about oh, the actually... NTV Demon. Yeah, because the Demon has been around for, for, yeah, at least two, three years at this point. Because they, they, they stopped him before he, when the, the Fiend debuted. His first match was against Finn Balor, and that was straight Finn Balor. And I don't think we've seen, you know, the Demon since. Because it always kind of, they're always like, sure. they did the Demon versus the it would win, but they haven't done it yet.
2: There's a whole comic storyline right there, you know? Like, we're talking about like, characters that, like, do they matter? I, you know, last time we all talked, I was talking about Dread Knight. Right, and uh, I found my copy. It's like issue one twenty two of Iron Man or something. That's his first appearance, and it was just like blah bo- blah bo- 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 Oh, hey, look! Oh, there it is. You know, and I'm like, you know, yeah, a guy that shows up two or three times, or maybe there's an issue. There was issues of Daredevil years ago where Daredevil was like, I got to find out why D Man is doing all of this stuff. Like D Man is not a bad guy. I got to figure this out. Why is he being a problem right now? And D Man was. Accidental. He was. He was. He was having a derangement problem, and he thought he was. He was robbing jewelry stores, thinking that he was trying. That he was actually saving the universe because the Infinity Stones were uh, under some kind of an enchantment, hiding in plain sight in jewelry stone or jewelry stores. It's like it was a really compelling storyline. Like right there, that's that's a whole thing. Do you want a character that's going to come in and f up stuff over and over and over and over again? Why are we using arcade so much the last few years? Like, or do you want a character that's going to show up, do something important, and then disappear for a few months or whatever? Or maybe, like, when is the Joker going to do something in Superman? When is the when is when is Magneto going to be when is it going to be like, you know. Uh, uh no, oh, what is it? The uh, the super villain switch. o I can't remember what it was called in the eighties, the uh, they or the early nineties where they did it. And it's like, okay, what if Magneto fought Spider Man? You're you've got you've got cards in those trading card sets of that, like yeah, what the so that was that the whole premise
1: of Logan like, of Logan, or uh, freaking uh, old man Logan? old man Logan. They all switched. All the bad guys switched who they were going after, and that's why they were able to. Get stuff done.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, so oh well, Magneto couldn't defeat Spider-Man because Spider-Man happened to have like the power cosmic at the moment or something. It's like, wow, I never thought fighting Spider-Man would be so difficult, or like, you know, something like that. Like, there's a there's there's a great plot line right there where somebody is like, why haven't I heard from this guy in however long? I've got to track him down. I've got to figure it out. And the more and more and more they go they're the more and more convinced they are that they're going after like Mendias or something like that some gigantic conspiracy and then the closer they get to it the bigger things get and everybody's like blowing it out of proportion and then they get there and they're like oh no the guy just gave up he quit he's not or you know oh he's selling cars in Erasmus, uh, or whatever. I don't know. Someplace in Jersey. Like, it doesn't make any You know, I, he gave up and I, I'm keeping an eye on him and he doesn't know that I'm there or whatever. And that's the bad guy. And you thought that there was something dastardly going on forever. That can be artfully crafted as a good story. I want a villain to show up and wreck everything and then piss off. Like I don't want like you don't have to sh- shove the Joker up our asses all the time. Agreed. It doesn't always have to be that this guy has got maniacal plots one week after the next, or one month after the next, or whatever book they happen to be in, or you know, give somebody some crazy thing that's not a cross-title promotional event that lasts for a year, where they're like, oh, I can break down my. My typical guy, by getting rid of all of these other guys, I defeated Superman this week, I defeated The Flash last week, I defeated Wonder Woman, and now blah, 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 and I worked my way around, you know? Uh, that's, that's crazy, and, I'm, and this is a weird analogy. It's what I do in StarCraft. I play StarCraft, and I've got my base, and then I'm out there, and I keep accumulating resources. But then I know that the aliens I'm fighting are all out there accumulating resources because they've eaten up all the resources in their main base. So then you've got to go out there and you've either got to nail their base so that they can't make any special units anymore, or you go out there and you fight them where they are, and that's where they're heavily defending, because they're like, you can either defend your main base or you can defend your your stuff, where you're trying to be able to keep being a relevant thing. Like, that's a whole plot line, too. Go out and screw up that that. That, that hero by getting rid of all of his allies. And then they have nothing left to fall back on, you know? Because in the end, you're, what you're asking turns into an entire thing for me where I'm going, these people are all people in the end, especially Batman, especially yeah. Barry Allen, especially the Green Arrow. I mean, these are people. They're not all Superman. They're not all Wonder Woman. They're not all Aquaman, where they have this where they're just impervious in some way. So you ask me a question like that, and my mind blows up to where I'm going, you know, do I want a villain to be... I don't want the same villain every week, and I don't want the same ten villains every week. Agreed. I want yeah. somebody, like, Hush to come out of nowhere. Oh, And it's God. like, boom, I'm going to F up your whole life, and you didn't know I even existed. Dude, Tony's, you know? at, Tony's at half a pack of rollies
1: right now the second you said hush. <laughs> I do, uh, do love me some hush. I mean, like, what? when's the last time we had a definitive Two-Face story? Freaking, what, Long Halloween?
2: Oh, my God, that's no. generations ago, dude. No, no, like Jeff Loeb and Tim's sale?
0: No, it was when Two-Face took over. He had, Harvey had been quote-unquote cured while Batman was gone for a while and was Batman. Uh, God, I can't remember exactly what issues those were. Uh, but while he's being Batman, the stress of being Batman brought back Two-Face. Like, to the point where he disfigured himself again. Like, they had reconstructed his face and everything.
2: And, uh, they always uh. got to do that. They even did that in G.I. Joe. Let's fix up Snake Eye's face so he can walk around without his mask on for about three issues. And then, oh, no, he got chewed up again. You know, uh, that yeah. kind of stuff happens every year. Nothing can ever really change. Yeah. That's the complaint. Mm-hmm. So I love any. That's always my big watching.
1: things with freaking regular issues. Like continuity just kind of kills it a little bit. Like, give me something, give me something that's going to alter the reality of what I'm I freaking reading.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, very le- like the what's the worst that they could do? Like, let's chop off Luke Skywalker's already chopped off robot hand. So what? Dude, yeah. You're just gonna go get another robot <laughs> exactly. hand. You no. know.
1: There's Let's always... destroy Cyborg so he can put himself back together.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Some shit like that. You know. Let's bring his dad back. Do something really wacky. Have Cyborg get all chewed up and then have Johnny Five show up and put him back together. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Now that I would be all about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be all about Mr. Johnny oh, Five. Oh, Johnny Five is
1: alive.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, I don't know, man. You ask me a question they're, like that.
0: My they're, remaking, they're remaking Short Circuit, by the
1: way. I just nice, but yeah, I mean, like lob off somebody, like freaking Green Arrow and freaking um, Dark Knight or Dark Knight Returns. Freaking all of a sudden, he's gotten one arm and he's still freaking the best archer in the world. You know, like that was that was something. Why would you chop off a guy's arm that shoots arrows?
2: I even I even loved it in like you, that's that's what I like is like maybe that's not the superpower. It's that he's he can't miss. Like, Ultimate Hawkeye in Ultimates Volume 2. Uh, he's at home with his family, everything's cool, and then the bad guys close in and you're like, oh my god, they're going to execute everybody. But it was like he ripped out his fingernails with his teeth and spat them at the bad guys, and those fingernails lodged in their necks, that was in so their cool. throats. That was so and fucking And it was cool. like, what?! what that's insane that's so no cool. he has a superpower and it's that he cannot miss it's that he, well, he what, what every he, shot is a killing shot yeah but when, was in, like in, in the
0: ultimates mess. in the ultimates though didn't he have those like cybernetic eyes that was always honing in on shit though
2: Maybe I don't remember that. Maybe it was like I, that. That part I don't recall. Like it's been I'm, literally. I'm like pretty
0: sure he had the cybernetic eyes that's been years were... since I've read that. I remember reading that issue, man. That was that was awesome. Like fuck you, yeah. I'll fuck myself up more than you can hurt me, and then I'm gonna kill <laughs> every single one of you guys and regrow fuck <laughs> my fucking. You're all dead either way. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And even then, you had Nick Fury running around with an arm blown off and like using a M16 or an M4 or whatever, and it's like, what the. What? And then, like, he's got an arm again. You know, they don't even explain that stuff.
0: Let's, let's wrap this up, guys. Let's wrap it up with, uh... Tony, I'm saying we let Colin off his leash on some Dune. I'm, I'm
1: down.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to talk about Marvel Shots Spider-Man, and I'm basically, we, we'll not get into that argument. We'll not get into that argument. Guys, I'm going to say, <laughs> I didn't like that book because nothing happened. It was about street level criminals and uh, like a guy decides to start dating his buddy's sister and she kind of tries to set him straight, but they kind of keep insinuating that she's you, you promised me you
0: would get out of the game. I promise. But I also didn't promise that my buddy would come back with
2: a make all this money right away <laughs> scheme. Yeah. It was just, it was I like, it just didn't make any difference. And then like. In the end, they just like, yeah, we're going to leave town so we can get away. We barely got away the first time we ran into Spider-Man, and he just didn't punch us. It, uh, like, nothing happened in that. It is, I, every one of those books has been interesting and rele- revelatory, and like, but nothing happened in this. It just didn't do me any good. Anyway, Dune, guys, Dune is one of, Dune is. Tell us, tell us the controversy <sighs> first what controversy is? I don't know if it's Movie a versus movie versus book. Oh yeah, a lot of people got cranky about that. I love the movie. I love the books. Uh, what it amounts? I've read I've read Dune, the original Dune novel, like I don't know six or eight times since high school. I have not read all of the sequels, but I have read the prequels, and I love the prequels, the ones that were written uh, co-authored. Brian Herbert, son of Frank Herbert, co-authored with Kevin J. Anderson, who wrote some uh, pretty good Star, Star Wars novels in the 90s, the Jedi Academy trilogy. And, um, uh, and then some other stuff. And um, so if you're asking what is this Dune comic I'm seeing, this is a comic adaptation of the Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson uh, novel, House Atreides, one of the prequel novels, and they and the books are dense. They are so rife with content. Um, the Dune universe, in a nutshell, takes place so far in the future that it's hardly anything that we would quantify or understand. Like all of Star Trek could have happened between now and Dune. As a future, and all of that information would have been lost in the Butlerian Jihad. Um, Dune takes place so far in the future; it's the year ten thousand nine ninety one, depending on what version of the movie you're watching or what what maybe you're watching, maybe you're reading the book. Um, and uh, in as a short history of things. Uh, There was a time period where humans populated many, many multiple worlds. Then uh, there was a machine uprising because artificial intelligence took over and there were the synchronized worlds uh, paired up against the machine. The people who found... uh, um, Oh, God, found immortality through being machines and controlled the machines. And these are these like immortal elders. And then there's the rebellion against them, led by the Harkonnens and the Atreides family and several other families. After this gigantic war against these robotic immortals takes place, the Butlerian Jihad, um, there is a dis- like a disparity between the Harkonnens and the Atreides that lasts for generations, thousands of years. That's the prequels before you even get to Dune as it was originally intended. Dune takes place in a a future where there is an emperor who controls all of the houses of the Landsraad and our heroes in this story are the Duke Leto atreides and his son paul the 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 uh heir apparent to the to this dukedom on okay. house Cal, on the planet Caladan, a beautiful uh oceanic world um The only way you can get around in space in this time period is through the use of navigators who use a drug derived from the spice. The spice is all important. It extends life. It expands consciousness. It uh, Everybody's addicted to this drug in the future for what, any number of reasons. Why did they use the word spice? Is that one of those things like where, you know, Columbus
0: was sailing to get Indian spices? Is that like some sort of... Uh... No.
2: It's very particular. It's... It only found and available on one planet in the entire known universe, the planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. And the nice thing about this is when you ask, like, why is it called Spice? Well, other people call it Melange because it's a gigantic universe and different people call things different things. Why would anybody call Arrakis Dune? Why not? Because we're the colonial oppressors who came in and took over this planet. They call it Arrakis. We call it Dune. You call it Melange. We call it Spice. Melange. And you, melange means it this because that's who we are. Melange means a melody. Nevertheless, I mean that's that's what it is. I mean, Melange is a spice. It's an it's an amalgamation right, right. of a variety of different things to be whatever but, you happen to be sprinkling into your food. But they're picking specific words that are pleasurable on every single place that would want the spice. Yeah, pretty much, you know, because in essence, this thing does so much for humanity in this time period. You don't even have to be, you know, nobility to be able to reap the benefits of this substance. Uh, If you can afford it, you can get it and it will make you live longer. It'll make you trance into understanding the universe as a whole. The navigators use the spice and they have different stages of mutation. that allow them to fold space. That's how you get around. The emperor is subject not only to the Orange Catholic Church, which is like an amalgamation of all religion, but he's also subject to the the Spacing Guild because he can't maintain his reign if uh, he doesn't have the Spacing Guild. So there's this triumvirate, there's this three-legged... Table of governance of all of the ensurfed people in the universe who are subject to the rulers of their particular house who pay fealty to the emperor. And so the beginning of Dune has a navigator showing up to the emperor and saying, Look, uh we're detecting in our space-time perceptions. That Duke Leto's son is going to be a massive problem in the future. You need to do something about this. And we also know that you've got plans to screw him over because he's all, because the Duke is already too popular, and uh, he, ch- he he could challenge your reign. And the, and the Duke is like, or the the Emperor is like, yeah, that's right. The Harkonnens, the Duke's sworn enemy are in control of Arrakis right now. That's like controlling Saudi Arabia. That's like controlling all of the Middle East. That's and a big deal. We're, yeah. going to, we're going to say, you clowns have effed up, get out of there. We're putting the Atreides in there to punish you, which the Harkonnens would hate. But the the emperor is like also going to support the Harkonnens in an attack on the Atreides. This thing is littered. This story is littered with plans within plans. And they say that stuff over and over in that. So then the focus shifts to the Atreides family who know that this is a trap. And they have all of these really wonderful servants, knights, uh, different characters who are ready to support them because of the goodness of their family. Their family has always taken in people who were hurt and people who were explicitly hurt by the harconans who are despicable they are you think about the galactic empire or the klingons or the romulans or anything you've ever encountered in sci-fi I would or hate. fantasy stories you're, you're telling the me harconans are the worst you're telling me i hate the them worst. more than the romulans yes i guarantee it they are rapists they are murderers they hunt people they uh they are they're slavers. They destroy places for no other reason than just their, their perverse sexualized pleasure. It like, dude, when you read these prequel books, House and House Atreides, and House Carino, that I presume they're going to continue and make comic books out of if these are successful, um, that's what you're getting is seeing the perversities of Harkonnen culture, it's fascinating what's, and fantastic.
0: What's the point of having such a hedonistic society uh, within the the main character structure?
2: It they are the they are the uh, the outright obvious villains. They are they are when you look at the difference between like the nobility factor of the of of the uh, Atreides or maybe the techno. Uh, family, the uh, the Vernius, the people that like House Vernius of Ix, or even God. There's even aspects of this I haven't even described, like the Bene Gesserit witches. Cool. Uh, like that's a whole thing. That's huge to this story. When you, but what you're asking is like, ah, uh, the villains are apparent in this. More so, like, it's the evil galactic empire. Well, yeah, obviously, you called it the evil galactic empire in the opening crawl of the first movie we ever saw. Like, we didn't even get the opportunity to make that judgment. They're walking around in all black. They're stormtroopers. Like, Dune comes out in 1964, and people are, are, are weighed by the judgment of what their character dictates to us and when you're clued in on things that are going on with the harkonens they're murdering their own people just to wash themselves in blood they're 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 planning to destroy their arch enemies as if the artrades don't perceive them as their arch enemies there are conspiracies and there are machinations going on in dune that you're that, that are generations in preparation but the benefit is that when you're addicted to the spice, you can live to see these multi generational revenges take place. And uh, what's the end game? They they are all playing the long game. Everybody's playing the long game. So the whole point of this is that the possibility exists that Paul, the Duke's son, may be the end of a. 10,000 year breeding program to get all of the bloodlines of the houses of the Landsrad to produce a super being who will be able to look into the parts of space and time that the Bene Gesserit witches cannot see. And it's because he will be a male. And all of the power in the Bene Gesserit sisterhood has resided in the female bloodlines for their tens of thousands of years that they've been developing into this. So it's it's, that, it's Israel versus Palestine. Yeah, essentially, it's it's Israel versus everybody in the Middle East. That's one of the things because what it amounts to is that uh, Frank Herbert was trying. He was he was interested in two things when he wrote this book: how deserts could swallow entire towns, entire regions, and also how they could use ecology to stop that from happening, and also the idea that people place godlike perception and godlike power into living beings like pharaohs and, um, I don't know, any number of. Places and you know, like you're gonna, you're gonna put, you're gonna put religious further fervor behind following somebody, and so that's the point of Dune is that Paul may or may not be the Kwisatz Haderach, the super being, but even if he isn't, he's smart enough to know that he can bring down the governmental structure of the entire known universe. And become a god figurehead to the people who are native, the indigenous peoples of Arrakis. So much so that they'll follow him in his crusade of revenge for having having lost his father and lost his family and lost his title and lost his lands. And then replace the emperor. That's the point. Is that in essence the protagonist might be the greatest villain in the entire story. But that's what the sequels are all about, because they don't take place two years later. Like, the next book takes place a couple of years later, and he transmogrifies himself into that which gives him power. But then the next books are like, yeah, it's 500 years later, or it's 600 years later, it's 10,000 years later. So and what did you read comic-wise that came out that we're, we're about to go over? Exactly. The point of all of this is that there is a comic out right now I could only come up with uh, Dune House of Atreides issue number 2 which is definitely a comic adaptation of the book House of Atreides um and uh this is obviously a tie-in because we have a Dune movie coming out uh starring uh, what um Zendaya is in it playing Chani um Batista uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Batista is playing uh, the Beast Raban. Oh, my God, what great casting that is. Uh, who's the guy that plays Aquaman? Momoa. Uh, How- Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is playing my favorite character in the entire story, Duncan Idaho, the Swordmaster of Ginaz. <laughs> Um I can't wait to see a character with that. Because when I was a kid and I watched Dune and Richard Jordan was uh, playing Duncan Idaho... I loved that guy. He died in 1994, having played my favorite Civil War personality in the movie Gettysburg, uh, General Lewis Armistead. Um, And uh, he was just a villain in a lot of movies. He was in Solar Babies. He was the uh, evil uncle in um, The Secret of My Success, starring Michael J. Fox. He was just constantly showing up playing these characters. He He was Francis in Logan's run. I just loved that actor and that he was Duncan Idaho in Dune in 1984. I just was like, man, it's just a beautiful guy, an amazing performer. It just brought a lot of gravity to that role.
0: What would would you say that our listeners need to read some essential reading in order to
2: understand the comics that are coming out and the upcoming movie adaptation? I'm going to say if you can get your hands on an issue number one of this, and I can't, I can't find one right now. Um, I mean, you know, check this out. You're gonna have this is like one of those um, Marvel preludes right now when they aren't just like retelling the previous movie before the next movie comes out, and they're like filling in the gaps. Like Like this is a good place to go. The problem with Dune and why people have had such a hard time seeing it get translated into film, and why people think that the David Lynch Dune is such a mess is because it is a gigantic convoluted story and it'll never take place in an appropriate amount of time. Like, the original Dune is like two and a half hours long. It's starring some of the best people ever. The costumes, the sets are incredible. Uh, and um, God, I mean, yeah, Patrick Stewart is in it playing uh, Gurney Halleck, one of the Atreides people. One of the best reunion moments I've ever seen put to screen. I weep every time I see it. Um Oh, God, yeah. I mean, the music is phenomenal. Toto doing an orchestral score with Brian Eno. It's unbelievable. But, like, what do you need to read? Nothing. Just, you know, you pick up this comic, you're going to get some insights into some of the characters that you're going to see in that movie when it comes out. And I think that, I think, I may not be right, that movie is going to be uh, coming out on HBO Max quite like uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, in all... addition to getting a theatrical release.
0: Yeah, all of the movies that they're doing in the next year, or including The Matrix 4, uh, are going to all be released oh. on HBO Max. But, uh, man, I'm out of gas, man. The last thing I was going to say was uh, Sp- yeah. Spawn 312, uh, Zombie, Cygor, uh, Zombie uh Zombie, God, what's his name? Overkill, or overt kill, depending on which version you picked up. Christian
2: zombie vampire? <laughs>
0: so, uh, Gunslinger, Spawn, everything's cool. Coglio Show is an asshole. Ah. <laughs> it's hard to break down Spawn sometimes, man.
2: Yeah, I don't know what to do with Spawn. <clears throat> As I have said. <laughs> I'll
0: be getting my Kickstarter in a couple of weeks, man. I, I ordered that back in, like, February man. I can't wait like uh, the, the special edition original re release and with
2: D B Cooper? Uh D B Sweeney. D B Sweeney, D.B. Cooper. Sorry everybody. D.B. Uh, Sweeney. I'm talking about the
0: action figure, you're talking about the movie.
2: Um Oh, okay. I thought when you were talking about a re release, I thought that's no, why I thought no, they remade the released. original Spawn uh, action figure.
0: Tony, what do you got oh, all right. what do you got to wind us down, brother?
1: Um no man, freaking Looking forward to next week. You yeah, know, hopefully, freaking. Uh, you know, um, follow me on. Where am I at now? I'm freaking MySpace. No, 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 no. no not MySpace. Not oh. not MySpace. Onlyfans. No, My yes. yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, Morales Mafia. Need to get out on Onlyfans. <laughs> nah, man, I'm gonna fucking never call me back.
2: <laughs> uh, Morales uh, is Mafia. me out on uh, the Instagram,
1: yeah, freaking Morales Mafia one. Trying to seventy-five subscribers this week instead of the fifty I said last week. Oh, okay. That's sixty-nine right now, which I think is lovely.
2: Nice. Uh, yes. So hopefully I'll get that extra
1: six. No, sixty-nine <laughs>
2: is so much. You know, like seventy is just—it's just one better.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. No. That's our number apparently. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, that's where we are. But yeah, no, and support your local comics.
2: Yeah, man.
1: Have a good night. Shoot.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping I can uh, support Mother
1: Trucker. Support Mother Trucker. Mother Trucker. Tracker. Thank you. Yeah, yeah Andy.
0: Andy, I know you're <laughs> listening, man. Uh, Mother Trucker. Sinistry's new album coming out. It just came out. Yeah, we've we we've, we've been accumulating a lot of new friends, man. <laughs> it's just, friends are good. Friends are good. Friends are good. Guys, uh, I'll lead us off. Colin, Mister Tony. This is dangerous. This transmission is over. Don't hang up. Good night, everybody. Later.